This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice Wrestling Collection Podcast, presented by my bookie. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, the King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how you feeling? I'm fine. <laughs> That's not what you told me. Uh, a, minute, a minute ago, it was. I, I know you're a professional, I'm a but, professional this, but this is a sale. This is a sales job too. Because I can hear you. You're not good. You ate something earlier. That people can literally listen to you eat it because you've monetized your eating habits now, which is fantastic. Kudos to you yeah. for sure. Um, I, we're not going to spoil all that happened with the you know the papadillo. You could find out at Patreon.com/slash/VoiceOfWrestling. But uh, you told me that you're feeling sick. How how's it going? What what what's which one did it? Was it the meatball and what was the meatball and sausage or the buffalo chicken concoction thing you made? So it's grilled buffalo chicken. <laughs> grilled, of course. That's right. Fresh off of the grill, sure. Anywhere ever close to a griddle, <laughs> an oven, anything other than obviously the oven it was cooked in, and then I'm not even sure then if it really got, you know. That meat had grill marks on it, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> I always love the uh okay. Burger King was always good about that too. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, grill. Yeah. Okay. So the the packaged buffalo chicken that you got had grill marks on it. So That's right. Do, so do you think the one... chicken you, you you've been in the industry, is it is it chicken like cut up chicken that they put the sauce on or do you think it came in a bag pre-sauced no 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 the the uh the chicken and the buffalo sauce are two separate two separate items okay so if you get a buffalo chicken something it's going to be a bag of of (laughs) of whatever you a cisco you know grilled chicken and then they'll dab some fucking generic ass buffalo sauce on it from where did you say uh cisco thong 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 um (laughs) It's the it the chicken is going to be the same chicken that they use as the pizza top. Right. You don't want to have to buy two different types of chicken. That'd be you know, no. It's not. Chain it's, pizza it's place. The, you can't do that. It's the same chicken you would get if you ordered a chicken pizza, and then they have their buffalo sauce, um, which may not be the same sauce that they use on the wings, though. Those mm. might be two different sauces because of the consistency of the sauce and the cookability and all that. So that all goes into it. It's a little more wet. Like the one that they put on the pizza is probably a little more wet, right? The one – the buffalo sauce that they're going to put on a pizza in most cases is going to be a little thicker and a little bit less vinegar-based um, than the buffalo sauce. Is this, is this helping your uh, nausea or not? I feel like it's not. I feel I, bad now. <laughs> listen, I told you. I'm a professional. Okay. And, I, and, I'm, and, and I'm not saying – that the papadillas are what are making me feel ill. I'm not saying could that. Could be either. wrestling. Pro wrestling sucks too, so that might be doing it too. So it could it could be just one of them things. I feel. Listen, I'm a professional broadcaster, quite literally, and I'm going to get through this. It's no problem, you know. So 
I haven't vomited probably – let me think about this. I probably haven't vomited since like 2008. <laughs> We've had this discussion before. I think you remember what you were eating that day, if I, if I recall. Because uh, I don't think – I don't think I have vomited in this house, and I moved into this house in 2009. So that means that I don't think I have vomited since at least 2008. I don't think I have vomited in the state of Texas. So I'd like to keep that streak going because who really enjoys doing that? No, well, it, some people. But. It's one of the worst experiences in life is to vomit. I mean, it's a horrible experience. You want to like. die. The entire time you want to die. It only lasts like, you know, a few minutes at a time. But like as each time it comes up and you're just – then you sit down and you're like, all right, it's done. And you know it's not done. You tell yourself it's done. And then four seconds later, here you go. And okay, well – let me drink some water, and then, yeah, a minute later, boom, the water's going up, and you're just like, fuck this. I, I'll, I just want to die. I'll, I'll just die. It's fine. Well, you got to drink the water because what you don't want is the dry heave. You don't want that dry heave that tastes like stomach acid. Yeah, oh, you're just sitting next to the vomit. toilet. You're like, you know, just I, – I get I – because get, I get really, really bad migraines uh, pretty often, and um, I'll, I'll end up doing that where, like, I don't even need anything, or it's like, you know, I, I puke once, and it's just whatever. I, I have not puked. I've puked many times since 2008, unfortunately, but – um. Yeah, like, for the most part, like, the last, like, five, ten minutes of it is me just dry heaving, and I just sit next to the toilet, because it's like, well, you never know, but it's just me going, ah, that, that, you know, next to the toilet, while I know nothing's happening, That's I know nothing's going to come out, because there's nothing else left in my body, I've released everything that could possibly be released in my body, but I'm sitting there, because I still have the feeling, and it's just like, well, I don't want to walk away, because it'd be nice to just, like, go in the backyard or whatever, but, like, you know, I would, well, I guess I could puke in the backyard, nobody's going to care about that, maybe the dogs will eat it, but, um... But no, you know that like nothing's gonna happen. But you still have to kind of hang out there and, and and do the whole thing. You got to do the dry heave, and it's just yeah, it's, it's just terrible. So good start to the podcast. Yeah, Joe's ill, and let's talk about throwing up. So. Yeah, um, TLB vomited three times on our second date. So that was uh, oh boy, was she nervous about being with you, or is it a? Uh... Nah, she's just extremely drunk. Okay, well that'll happen. Yeah. So three times. Um, Twice in the car on the way back to the house, I had to pull over. I still remember the lawns that she puked on, and I, I, I point them out every time we pass them. I'm like, remember when you puked in that guy's lawn? And she's like, I remember. And you point it out every time we pass it. And I'm like, and I will until we die. I will point out that lawn every time <laughs> because it's funny. What was the drink uh, of choice that night for uh, TLB? No, what isn't there? Everything. <laughs> I was going to say everything <laughs> under the sun. Whatever you were buying was, was her drink of choice. Uh, you know. Not a teetotaler like her husband, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, That probably is part of the reason I haven't vomited in this decade. It does help, and, yeah. Other than my migraines, the other source of 75% of my throwing up is... I don't think... I, I can't remember the last time I threw up because of food, or like food poisoning or anything like related to food. It's been, yeah, yeah 75 to 80% alcohol, and then the other 20% migraines, so... Yeah. Sometimes but related to the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, combination deal. Yeah. I don't get sick. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I'm very rarely ill. Like, I've never had the flu. You coughed for three months on this show. That was a that was a throat issue. I wasn't ill. Right? Remember I had that sore throat. I guess does that count as ill? I you know I'll let I'll let the chat room decide. I'll let the live chat room decide if if a sore throat counts as ill. Um, I had a throat issue from constantly being on the air, and I'm a hard worker, you know. And I had the uh, but I wasn't like in bed like couldn't move or had any other kind of uh, sick symptoms. I yeah, just... yeah. Like, similar, like some people get it, and I, I definitely got it the one year, the, the, like the WrestleMania flu, where I just, like, had no yeah. voice. I just couldn't, like, 
I felt fine. I just had no fucking voice for like three weeks somehow. I don't know. I just my body shut down after apparently not sleeping or eating for three days, which is not good. So Yeah, on that Wrestle Kingdom I think we did a Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that one, right. I sounded like Tomaki Hamba. <laughs> yeah, it was I horrible. Remember that? Remember that? That's that's when you were the most pro of all pros. Because you get on, we get on the air at fucking four thirty a.m. or five a.m. or whatever, and you're like, "Hey, hey, Rich, how's it going?" I'm like, "Whoa, we don't have to do this show. Like, please go to bed." And you're like, "No, it's cool. We'll do it." And I was like, "It sounded so bad." It sounded. How awful. did anybody listen to that? Why did anybody listen to that show? I don't know. And then I continued doing audio. <laughs> you did it the next day, no? Because you had a day one, and there was another day. Yeah. I think I skipped like one uh, Thursday TV review or something when it was just so bad that it just, I barely could get any words out. But I mean, I, you want to count that as an illness? That's fine. But I've I've never had the flu. That's documented. You can look on my medical files. I'm a man that gets sick real often. So I, I know my body. I, I feel like I'm gonna be okay. So I'm gonna power through this. Um, but yeah, the, the, <laughs> the latest coming up. You don't, no, you don't hear anything. <laughs> I do. No, it's disgusting is... me. I might throw up before you do. <laughs> so what? Not not to make this even worse. What what flavor is coming up? There's no flavor okay, coming all up. All right, all right, that's fine. You think I'm like dry heaving over here? I'm not. <laughs> I really don't think the papadillas made me sick. Now it's possible. I mean, but see. That's another thing that people don't understand. Like foodborne illness takes 24 hours to manifest in the body. So everyone like, you know, you'll eat something from a restaurant and you'll come home and throw up and you'll think it's the restaurant's right, fault. Right, right. You were already sick. Okay. You may be vomiting up their food, but there was some kind of intestinal bug in your body already, you know, but people always blame whatever comes up. Uh, so I, I don't think it was the Papadillas, which I did review on the latest Joe Eats $5 tier. People love that gimmick. Why? I don't know. Yeah, what a what it. a what a what a scam that is. You like you've got the TLB. Hey, honey, I need to eat this for for the show so I can make yes. money, and then you're charging people to listen to you eat food. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the, I what think a life. it's the disgusting the disgusting chewing noises. It, that hideous, really awful. Yeah, it's so bad. I was I for some inexplicable them. reason listening on my way home from work today, and as you were, of course I, you were because. Here's the thing. It's, it's a drawing content. I don't know why. Like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm about to drive home and talk to you for three fucking hours. <laughs> like, the last thing I should want to do is hear your goddamn voice on my way home from work. But I had to hear you. Yeah. Talking to you. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, this Coke Z might keep, hold everything down. Um, I'm down to three Coke Z's in the house. That's no. emergency territory. You have to get to the store here after the show. Um, put on the mask, Rich, and head into the store. I won't leave the house or put on the mask for many things. But if I'm running out of Coke Z's, that, that mask is going to go on, believe me. Um, speaking of the pay content, Rich, you're having a lot of trouble with these polls. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think I am, but some people do. Think, okay, so we're doing a, a G1 poll. I'm doing a G1 Climax Retrospective. Uh, podcast series at patreon.com slash voice of wrestling and it'll be the five dollar tier by the way for people that want to subscribe and listen <laughs> yeah, okay you keep telling me you're fine but i just keep hearing noises <laughs> what's going on over there but anyway <laughs> yeah, apparently it's the coke Z that's causing this but um so i i i just randomized it because i did not want to cover all 27 or 28 g1s uh, that have happened you know that are, that are on new japan world you know 91 to the present that are all on new japan world so i, I randomized and i set up polls to try to get 
hey, what do the the, the, patr- the patrons of the Voice Wrestling flagship Patreon, what what matches do they want me to cover of these that we've had? And I think everything's been okay. Like, I know people are kind of upset about some of the polls skewing to the more modern, but I think that's a lot of, like, and we talk about all the time, there's always this kind of vocal minority, and there are a lot of fans that want us to cover the old school stuff, want us to cover, you know, 90s stuff, want us to cover stuff that they've never seen before. But you have to also have to understand, with as many, you know, patrons as we have, there are people that have... You know, they weren't watching New Japan in 2013 so or, or 2012. So the, me talking about Carl Anderson versus Okada is interesting to them because they, they they don't know anything about that. They don't remember that we were doing a show then. They weren't listening to the show then. But, like, the hardcores are like, oh, this is stupid. Like, you should do 95 and 92 and 98 and all these sort of ones. And, and, and like, more modern ones are winning so far. But I, it's, it's skewed a little. Yeah, it, it, it's starting to go back and forth. And I think there are some polls coming up later in the week uh, that will skew a little bit. Uh, more to the old school. I did have one spelling error, one typo that got everybody in a tizzy, uh, which we got fixed. And then somehow, inexplicably, with 200 votes, we have a fucking tie. <laughs> 33% for two different matches. And because I'm hardcore Joe, I'm going to review them both. So I will review both of those that tied. But uh, no, I think I think the I think the polling's been going fine. It, it's it's going to be. I think in the end, it'll be a pretty varied uh, amount of years. But uh, I I do get what people's criticism of it being. Skewing a little bit more modern, but you know what? Hey, that's that's democracy, baby. Yeah, I don't love it, but <laughs> it is what it is. People have spoken. Yeah, I don't understand the people picking like matches from 2017 and stuff like that. I agree. I mean, I, I should have they, just not put those in there, but I get it. But like, you can listen to the flagship when we talk about those, those matches. So they just heard us talk about those matches. You know, but like you're saying, maybe they're new listeners. That's I don't true. Know. Yeah, we we always because again, we think that everyone's been you know since day one listening and, and, and following and doing all that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of people that jumped, jumped in a year ago or people that weren't even watching New Japan. I mean, we, we get people all the time that are like, hey, uh, or we, we, the most expl- inexplicable thing is we'll get people that ask us, oh, I want to listen to you guys review like the G1, you know, uh, you know, the first day of G1 2017. And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, I wasn't watching New Japan at that time. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, how are you not watching? It's like we kind of think that everybody has been here for nine years, but there are a lot of people that are brand new. We would have just jumped on two, three years ago. So I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And the yeah. matches, I mean, it's like Omega and Naito versus, like, you know, Chono. <laughs> like, I get it. I get why you would be like, you know what? I'd rather hear Rich talk about Naito and Omega than, you know, fucking Chono and, and Mudo or whatever, which I, I get. I understand. But, you know, I, I think in the end it'll be pretty varied, though. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, that that Chono, he's, uh, he's hit or miss, Rich. He's hit or miss. <laughs> At Chono. The one, the one Chono match yeah. that I was hoping did make it, did make it, though. The 92 G1, which is pretty awesome. So. Listen, he's hit or miss. You never know with Chono. I was, I well, was that one in particular, watching. because 92 G1 is awesome. And then a month later, he goes to Halloween Havoc against Rick Rude in, like, literally one of the worst matches of all time. Yeah, one of the worst matches you'll ever <laughs> like see Like, you cannot life. believe that these two men wrestled each other in the span of two months. One was fucking incredible, and the other one they laid on the mat for 25 minutes, and it was over. That sums it all up. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. 92. I mean, you know, that's why I was busy with All Japan in those days. That was, uh, you know, to me, the far superior promotion. And then I, I, I followed all those guys into Noah. Um, wasn't a big musketeer guy, Rich. Wasn't a big musketeer guy. Uh, you know, they had their moments, but Chono never did a ton for me. Hashimoto's a guy I've appreciated more as I've gotten a little older. Yeah, I love him now. I, I don't, the um, first time I started watching Japanese wrestling, it didn't really land with me. But yeah, in the last like two, three years, anytime I watch Hashimoto, I, I fucking love it. So, in real time, I really didn't have much use for him. I, I but it's not like I hated him. I just had no opinion. Like I, I'd look at uh, tape listings or whatever, you know, and and 
you know, Hashimoto being a big match. I just would have no feeling whatsoever. And I would usually would, would blow off the tape. Um, where Chono, I just actively didn't like. And, you know, Muto, you know, he same thing. I probably liked him the best of the three at the time. Um, but I don't know. I, I definitely preferred the All Japan stuff. I mean, that was always my top choice if I was making a tape trade or I had some uh, money to spend and buy some tapes. You know, it, it was going to be All Japan first, without question. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Well, great, great, great sales job in the G1 retrospective there, Joe. Nice. Well, I mean, what did it matter? They all picked Kenny Omega, yeah, exactly. Matt. So, you know. It's just Okada, Naito, and Omega, so that's fine, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many more of these polls do you have? Uh, two more. Two more to go. We're going to get seven matches in total. So I think okay. I think five is up right now, and then six and seven. We'll, or six might be up, too. Maybe seven's just tomorrow. Whatever. Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling. You'll find them all pretty easily. And then we'll have our seven matches, and I'll get going here in the next week or so, watching them and reviewing them. Do the $10 tier, though. Like, I'm talking to the listeners now. Do the $10 tier, you know? Because then you get the live flagship. You get all the written reviews. I'm writing my ass off behind that paywall. Someone better be reading this shit, you know? Watching all these dopey, uh, you know, zero one matches and writing <laughs> reviews for them. I mean, <laughs> somebody better see the, be You see the big, uh, the big news out of Z1? No. What's the oh. big news out of zero do you, one? Do you want me to uh, spoil for you? Was it a new champ? There is a new champ. Who knocked off Chris Weiss? Uh, I don't remember the name, actually. <laughs> Rich kid. I know. You can't count how I thought you knew it. That's why I was kind of surprised when you were like, no, I don't remember. It's like, oh, no. No, I just, okay, I just watched Chris Weiss defend against Yuji Hino, okay? Because I guess I'm a couple shows behind. I'm catching up on July and August. Rich, it's the drizzling shit. <laughs> you know what they're doing. In, like, I usually enjoy Zero One for what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, right, You know right. what they're doing right now? Like, Chris Vice is in Voodoo Murderers. Yeah. Yes, you heard that right. Voodoo Murderers, <laughs> uh, you know, from all Japan circa 2000 fucking five or whatever. So they brought it back. It's horrendous. Like, they, it's just interference heavy. And, uh, you know, the match against Hino was horrible. They did the powder to the face gimmick like it's Dragon Gate. There's like a cloud of powder in the ring, and the referee counts the fall anyway, even though like Hino's face is covered in powder. Like this is horrendous. This is terrible. So I'm glad Chris Vice lost because maybe all that voodoo murder shit uh, is in the rear view now. Yeah, the, but the, the, uh, the guy who beat him was uh, Tamura Hayato from uh, Just Tap Out, which I think he's like literally a year into his career. So, um... <laughs> yeah, so, a year I mean, or two. Look, I think I, he's not he's not a young lion, but he's not far off. Or whatever you know what I mean? No, like, I well, no, I welcome it. Yeah, I'm familiar, I'm familiar with the wrestler, and it's zero one. So who gives a shit? And maybe that's the kind of thing where someone else can become a name on the scene if they do well. But it's so hard to get any traction in zero one, and especially if they're continuing to you know the voodoo murder bullshit, it's going to be especially hard. But you know, maybe because look. I saw that it was a Cork and Hall show, and there might have been fucking 100 people there. So it might be hard to judge. Plus, they're all wearing their masks, and I don't know what Zero One's rules are. Uh, some of these promotions, you hear people cheering, either because they just don't care about the rules or there are no rules. Other promotions, they do the polite clapping. But I could tell you this voodoo murderer stuff, it's, uh, it was getting no reaction in Cork and Hall for this. People just seem confused. Like, what is this shit? Uh, so maybe, you know, I have to obviously watch the show, but I welcome that title change. I mean, you know, this, from what I've seen of this Chris Vice thing, it just, it, it was not working. Um, but yeah, yeah, 
I've been reviewing all kinds of shit uh, behind the paywall. Um, and there's more coming as I continue to uh, crash watch all the stuff from Japan in uh, uh, July and August. Some of the stuff that we just don't have time to get to here. Like, you know, during the uh, early days of the pandemic, we had plenty of time to mm-hmm. get to zero one. But it's like now with everybody running again, it's just, you know, it's just, just no time to get to it. Well, if these other guys, um, if these other companies don't step the fuck up, we might have to uh, <laughs> move them ahead. I mean, this Sunday or this Saturday and this Sunday is a, a big moment for New Japan. I, I might be uh, kicking them to the curb and coming to zero one official zero one podcast if New Japan doesn't tighten their things up here a little bit. So I haven't been this disinterested <laughs> in New Japan since, since probably two thousand. They're on the edge here. I'm not going to lie. I, you know they they've been yeah. like guaranteed. You know, hey, something's happening in New Japan. Boom, it's on the flagship. You know, boom, it's the number one topic. Boom, it's the lead topic. Ta-da. They're on the edge here. Like two aw two aw could take that spot for sure. Gleet will become a Gleet podcast. You know. Well, that's not. Gonna I'm happen. not going to do but, that. <laughs> I don't watch Noah. I don't want to watch Dollar Store Noah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wrestle Two, right? Um, I mean the, the 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 lineup for the debut show. Yeah, it's half Noah. <laughs> it's, like... it's half Noah, right? And it's like, why is it a different company? Then? Well, I want to get. That's the thing. I want to know what it's going to be. If they're going to be a once a month promotion, that's basically just a sister promotion to Noah with the added grime element of the other guys that are working it. I mean, I'm not going to have any interest in that. Neither is the Japanese market. And it's just going to exist in the atmosphere like all these other tiny promotions do until they, you know, whoever's supporting it runs out of money and decides they don't want to lose money anymore. But we'll see if they run regularly. But see, here's the tip-off. If Nosawa Rangai is going to be part of the front office of both, then that tells me that great, or, you know, it's supposed to be pronounced great. And as you know, Rich, I'm a stickler for pronunciation. Okay. Yeah, you are. So, yeah, you are nothing if not a, yeah, so. That tells me that they're not going to be anything close to a full-time thing, and they're kind of just be going to be one of these places that run monthly or bi-monthly or something like that. Because how would he have time to book two full-time promotions or work in the front office of two full-time promotions? It, it's just, so that's your red flag right there, you know, so. Um, I, you know, and, 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 you know, the lineup looks kind of interesting on paper, but, um, I don't know. Every, I'll, I'll every, check every out. promotions first show is always super interesting. You know That's what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, fortune yeah. dream was awesome. <laughs> you know, the first show, the, you know, Eddie will always, and, and I'll watch it. Of course. I'll always watch any new promotions first show. Always. It's all about what happens the second, third, fourth, you know what I mean, after that, that, that always has me a little worried. Because a lot of these pro companies, they come out of the gates with a big-time show, and they bring a bunch of guys back, and they have fun lineups and full, and then half the guys go away and they never come back ever again. Or then people settle into their spots, and it's you know not very interesting or whatever. I, I, I hope it's good. I mean, I'd be totally happy with another you know good Japanese promotion, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. And what's it going to be? I mean, if it's going to be sort of more shoot-fight-inspired, like some people are saying, or or UWFI inspired or, or whatever the case may be, then all right, that's at least something a little different. Yeah, I want different. Thing. I don't want Dollar Store Noah. I, I got Noah that I don't want to watch. So, And then that way, you just love burying the Noah. You, it's you boring as fuck. It. Boring as shit. This... You know, I've, I've, I've watched some of the Noah as I catch up, but I, I got to tell you, I, you know, the, the, the Nakajima, um, the Nakajima Kano match, I, I, I thought good. was... Oh, you watched it? Yeah, okay. I watched that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. with the KO. And then, um, but I don't think you watched Shiozaki versus Marafuji, right? Is that the one that went 60? 
No. She was like, I know that I did not see that one. This was, yeah, th- that was pretty good too, especially since my expectations are so low for, for, uh, for Marafuji these days. But this was one of those matches. Look, Marafuji is clearly physically limited. And, you know, he, and he, he uses little, you know, he uses some veteran tricks to kind of hide that. Um, you know, but he had a he had a good match against Shiozaki. I didn't watch the six. I didn't get to the sixty minute match yet. I'm gonna, see. I reviewed all these behind the paywall. When I get to the sixty minute match, I'm going to review that too. I just haven't gotten there yet. But the Noah that I've seen with crowds has been good. But then again, I'm only watching the top stuff. So because I'm trying to get through this stuff, I can't watch full shows because I'm never going to catch up. But um. This was like an impromptu bouncing around Japan. Yeah, I can't believe we started our show the first 20 minutes is talking about it. <laughs> you burping in Deep Perot is, is exactly how uh, yeah. people want the show to start. But uh, we do have plenty to cover uh, today. We're going to talk about NXT TakeOver. Uh, we're going to review or preview this inexplicable, ridiculous, uh, completely unnecessary WWE Payback show that's going on this Sunday as well. Uh, Summer Struggle in Jingu. Uh, we're going to preview that. Uh, we'll talk about the New Japan King of Pro Wrestling matches as that title trudges on and then we'll also bounce around the indies we did an impromptu bounce around japan but we will bounce around the indies uh later but let's start off in WWE land we'll talk about nxt takeover uh, i do want to say we are not reviewing SummerSlam. we did that on the instant reaction live sunday night immediately following the show uh, you can listen to that on the ten dollar tier it's on audio version and you can listen to a youtube version as well so we will not talk about SummerSlam. we have nothing all of our we had an hour and 25 minutes or something like that all of our SummerSlam takes are on that show so we are not covering that again this will be strictly talking about TakeOver and an interesting TakeOver show now because a lot of the stuff that happened <laughs> it feels already because of NXT happening You know, this week already feels like a lot of it's been negated. But we'll trudge through any, anyway and talk about TakeOver. So overall thoughts on, on this TakeOver. Um, potentially the last one in front of no audience. I know that they said they're, they're loyal to Full Sail. But when you compare you know, what the Thunderdome feels like and, and the atmosphere of a Thunderdome you know, WWE show and then you go to this which was fine for a while, you know, the, the, the 10 PC people and Caden Carter clapping a bunch of times. This feels so dry and so dull now, right? Yeah, and then we'll preview uh, fully loaded um, <laughs> Armageddon or uh, Over the Edge. Over what the is edge, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, apparently it's Payback. So Payback, okay. Um, what's the one with the dice on the mirror? Fully loaded. Uh, fully loaded, yeah, fully loaded. They only did one of those, or they did three of those. Why do I know okay. that? God damn it! I, yeah, they did 98, 99, and two thousand. God, I hate why myself. Why is that? Why is that one then? My always my default. Uh, because okay, so I'll remember. I, I I know exactly why. Because when the network first started, you said, "Rich, give me an Attitude Era show that doesn't suck," and I gave you Fully Loaded two thousand as the one to watch. And I believe you talked about it on this flagship. I think you reviewed it on something or whatever. And, and you came back and said, that was a really goddamn good show. That was awesome. Thanks. Well, it was a good show. Yeah. And, and that, and I think we talked a lot about fully loaded 2000 in the early days of, of the flagship. So that one just always stands out above the other, uh, B shows for some reason. And, and they haven't had one in 21 years. Um, this payback, a, another annual classic in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one week off of SummerSlam. But, yeah, and, 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 you know, it ties into TakeOver a little bit, too, because, of course, Keith Lee loses in the main event of TakeOver. Um, how many – was this was that the worst TakeOver main event? Now, okay, so 
you have the Gargano Tommaso Ciampa matches, but those are difficult matches to kind of talk about in relation to this one because they're long, melodramatic matches and we got tired of them. Mm -hmm. But I can't call them bad. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's even where I'll always... Even if I didn't enjoy them necessarily... Right, not for me, but, like, structurally, they were probably fine. Like, they were just matches that I didn't care about anymore. I didn't really want to watch anymore. I was kind of over it. But, like, you went outside of this little bubble and, and our little bubble, and people fucking love those matches. They adore those matches, and I get it. It fits those sensibilities. Like, if you are that sort of fan and and, 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 and those sort of matches... Like, yeah, the, the actual nuts and bolts of the match were really good. I just didn't want to fucking see it anymore. I was over it. And, and, we, and we could agree they were well worked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to throw those out. I'm going to say that those were all better than Keith Lee and uh, the TikTok guy. Now, what about the other ones that come up are the Bobby Roode era? Now, I specifically remember Bobby Roode versus Hideo Itami and enjoying it and you not liking it. Yes, remember I was there live. Yeah, I was there live. Yeah, I was at that takeover. I thought that was a pretty good match. I thought they told a good story, and I thought both guys performed well. So I think that was way better than Keith Lee versus Cross. But since you didn't like that match, which of those two would you say are the worst match? Yeah, no, I would still I would still point to this Karrion Cross-Keith Lee match because, you know, I didn't like Bobby Roode and Hideo Itami, and I was also somewhat critical of some of the Samoa Joe uh, matches as well, some of the Nakamura matches as well. I was going to... I was going to get to Samoa Joe next. Yeah, and so the reason why mostly <laughs> that I didn't love those is that we were coming off, you know, Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville was, you know, one of my favorite matches ever, you know, when, when Sami Zayn beats him and, and, and wins the title. And then you have Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and those that series of matches were fantastic. Then Finn Balor gets a title for a while, and he has really, really good matches. And then you get to Samoa Joe, and then some of the Samoa Joe ones, it, it was a different style. Like, you had gotten sort of used to the NXT style, being kind of breakneck, fast, you know, real powerful, all this sort of stuff. And then you get Samoa Joe, who's slowing things down a little bit, calming down a little bit, you know, wrestling a, you know, a, a pro wrestler style, you know, you know, sort of the more of the WWE main event style, rather than sort of a, you know, indie main event style. But then, you know, some of the Joe ones were very good. Then you have Nakamura, and obviously his reign was, was, was hit or miss. Uh, you know, I think most of the matches I enjoyed, I think it had two reigns actually, and most of the matches I enjoyed because they were a little bit more impactful, a little bit more fast paced or whatever. Then you got to Bobby Roode, and I kind of thought the same thing about Bobby Roode as he felt sort of like similar. You, you remember when Triple H was doing his like, I'm Harley Race gimmick thing yeah. in like the mid 2000s where he just decided, I'm gonna wrestle like Harley Race and like I'm gonna be a real pro wrestler, pro wrestler, you know, type guy. That's kind of what I thought of those Bobby Roode matches, which doesn't mean that they were bad matches, they were just they were slower. They were more of kind of a long, drawn-out story. They were more kind of, let's all build to, like, you know, a few big spots at the end of the match as opposed to some spots, you know, throughout the match. So technically, like, I was kind of maybe bored by them or didn't really get engaged with them all that much. But they're undeniably, like, solid matches. Like, the the, the Rude Atami match was just, like, it was, like, 18 minutes long and it was Rude basically controlling, 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 and Atami getting these little bursts and then Rude stopping him and controlling and controlling and controlling and Atami getting a boost and, and then Atami feeling like he's almost going to win and then Rude shuts him down and, and ends up getting the win. And, and, like, technically that's a pretty solid match structure and it was done pretty well. I just wasn't that into it. I was just kind of bored by it. But, oh, my God, did it blow away this Keith Lee carrying cross match. Yeah. See, that had all the boringness of Bobby Roode with none of the story. <laughs> like, My feeling is... None of the Bobby Roode matches were bad, even if some of them weren't great. Same thing with the Samoa Joe era. 
which is what I was going to bring up next, but you kind of talked about it already. So, and, and really, unless you can think of another one-off match at some point, uh, that, that main event of the takeover that was really bad that I'm not thinking of, um, I have to say that this Keith Lee carrying cross match was the worst takeover main event because to me it was the only one that was a bad match, a flat-out bad match. Because sometimes we'll say a match is bad, but the reality is it's just an average match. But we were expecting it mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, more than what it was. Um, but I really think that this match was legitimately bad. So that's why I say it's the worst main event in TakeOver history, unless you want to uh, dispute that and give me another option. I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now of of takeover matches or, or or you know NXT championship matches that really didn't land whatsoever with me. I this one is pretty up there. Like I, I would imagine, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of any other one. It, it, there's I think there was a Bobby Roode one that I didn't love all that much, even worse than the Atami one. But this has got to be this has got to be it though. I mean nothing nothing happened in this match. This match was what 15 16 minutes long. Literally nothing happens. They're, they're just sitting on the ground. Maybe Keith Lee does a few moves here and there. They're sitting on the ground. They're sitting on the ground. They're sitting on the ground. And then it's just fucking over. And, like, nothing looks smooth. Nothing looks good. Yeah, I, I, I'd say this is it. You know, without off the top of my head, I cannot think of another one that I thought, you know, was, was way worse than this. Uh, let me pull up. Let me pull up the Bobby Roode matches. How about that? Yeah, let, let's do that. There, there's one that oh. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to find all NXT main events now as we're as we're speaking. So we'll see if I can. Let me <laughs> find pull up the, the the Bobby Roode, um, and this is tricky on Cage Match because you have to do if you type in Takeover, nothing comes up. Mm-hmm. So you got pay per views and singles matches, and then you have to filter through uh, the other bullshit. So if you're doing a, something impromptu here, it it makes it a little difficult. I'm gonna, I'm gonna now have all the time as well. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the Bobby Roode title era, he had the win over Nakamura in San Antonio. Again, I think I like that more than other people. Yeah, that, no, that was fine. I had no issues with that match. That was, that but, he was had a cup, but he had another. He had a rematch against Nakamura on the next takeover, so I don't remember. One of those we argued about. I forget which one it was, though, but we definitely argued about one of them. And then the Atami match in Chicago, which we already talked about. And then he lost to Drew McIntyre. So he didn't have it. He only had the title for about okay, six months. So, I don't know. So, and and none of those matches are jumping out at me as me coming on here and complaining that they were terrible. In fact, I think I liked most of those matches, which is why I say this match, this Keith Lee cross match, I, I legitimately think is a bad match for a bunch of reasons that we'll get into when we talk about it. But um, And I can't think of another TakeOver main event that was bad. So, you know, none of the Samoa Joe matches at worst were okay. Uh, same for Nakamura. Um, and then, you know, we talked about Bobby Roode and who else? Everyone else pretty much had good title reigns. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, I know Alistair Black and Lars Sullivan had a match that was just okay. That was a well, match. One, but it wasn't even the, the main one. event because the, the, the main event was Ciampa and Gargano, one of the early Ciampa and Gargano oh, matches so they, that ruled. Know, yeah, so they didn't even put it in the main event because they knew, you know, it wasn't going to be that good. So, Well, the Black, the Alistair Black versus... Lars match had that one really ugly spot where Lars sold a kick that didn't come anywhere near him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But outside of that, it was fine. 
you know, it was pretty good. Yeah, not uh, bad. We're, again, we're talking levels of, like, bad. Like, not just like, oh, that was not quite up to the standard that we're used to. It's like, no, this was bad. This was a bad match. I, I'd say none of the Ciampa title reigns, you know, matches were. I thought all those landed pretty well, even even the Velveteen Dream match, um, which was technically not great, but but still pretty solid. And then, yeah, all the Gargano and Cole stuff, I think, is clearly better i mean whether again whether or not we you know necessarily you know are super into those or super into every single it's like no i mean undeniably that's better than what we got with, with, with keith lee and karen cross i mean no no this no qualms about this, it this was a six minute match stretched out to 2150 jesus i thought i said 15 earlier 2150 no and yeah and the work wasn't good i mean the work was very spotty and look the guy did separate his shoulder i get it but it is what it is. I mean, I you know, I, I have to judge the finished product. And then, you know, he dominates Keith Lee the whole way. And then I, I almost – see, I would have liked the match better if Keith Lee didn't make that comeback at the tail end. But they just can't help themselves when it comes to match structures. They can't – it's hard for them not to do that. Like we saw Cody lose a straight-up squash match against Brody Lee on Dynamite. It was great. Yeah, he just got his ass kicked. The guy, the better guy won on that night and just kicked his ass. Just killed him. Like, it was just a, a, a straight-up squash. You know, even without the angle, which was going to go down as, like, one of the most memorable TV angles of this era, because the angle was so great, too. The match itself was just so great because it's just it, – it broke the traditional match truck. Like, they had to give Keith Lee his little comeback at the end, and it didn't make sense for the story of the match because you had Cross – just dominate him and, and and work him over and work on that arm all the way through. And then Lee makes that little comeback at the end. It's just annoying. Like, like just finish him off at that point. He's leaving the brand anyway. You know what I mean? It's like if you're writing him off, just write him off. He doesn't need the little comeback to save face. And that's why I say it should have just been a little 10-minute match where Cross just dominates him for 10 minutes and beats him and sends him packing. So looking you know, at some of the ratings here, just real quick, uh, cage match 5.58, which I have to imagine is on the low end of most NXT uh, takeover main events and most NXT title matches, uh, and grapple 2.68. So, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, well, that's got to well, be five, A 5.5 on cage match is the equivalent of, what, a 2.75 yeah. mm-hmm. on a normal scale. So you're talking about a match that basically people are falling around two and three quarters for which for a takeover main event there's no way i don't even think you have to look there's no chance there's another takeover main event that low there's not another one under three there's no there's no chance there's probably very few under three and a half maybe one or two um so yeah i think my hypothesis is correct i think pretty much by consensus this is the worst takeover main event of all time the matches didn't work it was too long it also supports the theory that Cross should not be in the ring for longer than six or seven minutes. But we already knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the gimmick he has. Like, look, no one thought he was a great wrestler before the gimmick. But with this gimmick specifically, this is a I kick people's ass quickly gimmick. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we said at the minute oh. he signed with WWE is that, you know, if, if they use him properly, which is guy that goes in the ring and kicks everyone's ass in five minutes or whatever – He'll be fine. He'll he'll get over. He'll be a star. And they did until this time when they decided, no, no, pal, you got to work our style. You got to work main event style. You got to work these twenty minute epics. You know, back and forth and all those sorts. And it, it it completely loses sight of what carrying across utilizing someone to their best. You know, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. Classic pro wrestling one hundred and one. They decided they can't do that. They did it all the way up to this point when he was super over and everybody liked it. You know what I mean? Like they got him to this point. 
And then you get there and you got to work the 20 minute match. You got to work the epic. You got to go back and forth, especially knowing what was on the horizon for Keith Lee, especially knowing that Keith Lee was going to show up on raw the next day. It makes it even more inexplicable that this thing wasn't just over in five minutes. He has limitations as a worker. His gimmick has built in limitations because his selling has to be limited for the gimmick, which is another problem when you're going 20 minutes because he can't have extended periods where he's selling because it, it destroys the gimmick. And I didn't think Keith Lee was good in the match. No, he was not. He was not good at all. So there were a couple times where both of them just kind of got lost in spots. And uh, there were a couple of ugly bumps where it looked like they weren't on the same page. Plus, as I already talked about, the match structure was all off for both the story and for Cross's gimmick. Uh, But the right guy won. As we predicted, that was it for Keith Lee. And we'll talk about him moving up to the main roster when we talk about fully loaded <laughs> um, or payback. Now I'm saying fully backlash, loaded as backlash a, is what you're trying to say. Now I'm saying it by like before I'm doing it on purpose. To be an idiot. <laughs> it, now, it was a bit, and now it's you've worked you've worked yourself into a shoot, is what what I'm hearing. Indeed, I have. But when we talk about payback, we'll talk about Keith Lee's disastrous debut on the main roster. Um, but uh, what was I saying? So I didn't think he was good in the match. I thought the match structure was all wrong. And it all added up to, uh, I I don't even think it was you know I I went two stars flat. I'm two I'm two on the dot too. Yeah, exactly with you. Below average match in my view. To me, a two and a half star match is an average match. And I thought this was a below average match. I didn't think it was good. Um, and now Cross with the separated shoulder, mm-hmm. he uh, gives up the title. And <laughs> again, can we can we talk about this briefly? Because in you and I, we 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 hit this over the head every single week on the show. We talk about it all the time, but when you make a fantasy universe, shit like Fallen Prey guy that can summon fire saying, I have a separated shoulder, so here's the title back. It's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And that's why, stay in the same fucking universe. Stay in the real world. And then you don't have to have it be silly. Then, Karrion Cross, whatever he is, guy that, you know, he can come out and he can have an edge to him, he can wear leather, he can have fire in his entrance or whatever, but when he actually has magic... When he can summon fire, when when you know when Scarlet can summon fire, the idea that oh, I separated my, separated my shoulders, so here's the title back. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's so stupid. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's like when we talk about Braun Strowman can lift an ambulance above his head, but ah, I took the pinfall because I took a DDT on you know, you know or like you know during the, the SummerSlam we talked about it during the SummerSlam thing. It's like the story between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt has had people getting eaten by alligators, it's had time travel, it's had the summoning of spirits and ghosts or whatever. Braun Strowman then decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to powerbomb this guy into some wood. <laughs> That'll show him. It's like, no, you've lost that. You can't go back to that now. He's yeah. got, You've been eaten by an alligator, there's been time travel, you can't go back to, well, I'll put him on some wood, that's going to really hurt more than it would on a you know a foam mat or whatever. And you can't have Karen Cross say, well, I separated my shoulders, so here's the title back. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> like even and, and people are gonna say, Aren't the Undertaker? Because they that's always the go to, Joe. You know that. Always the go to. When the Undertaker yeah. had to go get surgery back in the day, he would literally die. You know what I mean? He'd be buried alive and he'd go away for six months to go get his groin worked on or his, his shoulder repaired, and then he'd come back. You know, he didn't go, eh, tore my ACL, so I gotta you know, it's like no, you you can you can levitate and create lightning. Ah, you, you're, you're saying they would give him they would give him a supernatural story right to they write would they would stay he his the Undertaker universe because that again people always when you say this shit's stupid they go the Undertaker okay okay that's fine but the Undertaker had his own universe where when he went away when he needed surgeries or when he needed to go away for a little bit 
he was fucking buried alive. He was put in a casket. He was lit on fire. You know what I mean? Like, they thought that's what they did with The Undertaker. They didn't just have him say, oh, I need ACL surgery, so I'll be out for six months, guys. Bye. And it's like, what? Right. Like, but you're the dead man. You're like, how could you need ACL surgery? Well, people will say that, you know, we're just being grumps or, you know, no fun land. But the thing is, it's like, then don't have her kiss that clipboard. Yes, you and don't have, have to have him play. summon fire. Just skip that. Like I just said, have... he can come out with. He, you can do everything with the fallen prey. You can have him wear metal, the or wear leather. The fucking song goes nuts. There's smoke everywhere. There's fire. That's fine. That's just like an edgy dude, and that's his entrance and whatever. When you summon fire, when you have magic, yeah, I can't buy that your shoulders hurt and now you have to separate. Oh fuck! Well, shoulder yeah. tendons now, hurt, and so I'm, I'm out. Just <laughs> like, tell me, fix it. Yeah, she has magic, right? You're She's telling amazed. me these are supernatural characters. Now, right. once she once she can produce fireballs with a kiss on a on a book, and then have the book attack Keith Lee, that's where you lose me. You know, I wouldn't have any problem with this. You know, if they had, if that had just never happened, even if they had thrown a fireball, because yes. that's kind yes, of yes, that's fine. That, that's in pro wrestling. It's in the canon. universe. It's in the universe. Yes. yes, I have no problem with people throwing fireballs. We've been seeing that since the seventies. Whether it's Jerry Lawler or the even sheep. the Sheep, yeah, would throw fire. You know that stuff is just that's part of pro wrestling. That's as much about pro wrestling as an Irish whip. Okay, we just accept fireballs, but not magical fireballs produced when she kisses the book. Now you've lost me. That's why this character doesn't work for me. With that said, the character is over, at least the best that we can tell. In the COVID era, when no one's in front of fans, it seems to be over. And they have it, it has been a good push. This is a because up until this match, and really including this match, the match was just too long. He just kills people. Yeah, right, right, right. He wins every match and he just destroys it's everybody. It's how you should do a push. It's like it's the push yes. that they seem to not know how to do anymore that proves that they still know how to do it. Guy comes right. in, guy beats everybody as quick as possible, and guy wins the title. There you go. That's and, fine. It's not hard. And it's built around his strengths. Yeah. He beat Tommaso Ciampa in like six minutes. Yeah, right, right, right. And that was perfect. And and he and he's barely sold for anyone. You know, everyone has had some hope. There's been like hope spots in a couple of the matches. You know, other than that, and the Keith Lee comeback at the end of this one, where he got the one near fall, I think, on the big uh, sit out power bomb that he does. Is that the BBC or does he call that something? Uh, I think that is the BBC, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but other than that, he, we haven't seen him sell. He just destroys everybody. He wins all his matches. He wins the title. He's at six matches. He's six and zero. Oh. That's a push. I can't knock him for that. He's been pushed well. Even if he's not for me, I could acknowledge that this wrestler has been pushed well and they've focused on his strengths. They've limited his weaknesses. But the supernatural stuff, I just can't get past it. But anyway, that match fucking stunk. Um, and we'll get back to Keith Lee when we talk about uh, payback. What, yeah. What, oh, my God. Yeah, the Keith Lee. <laughs> that, that is not how to do a push. What they did with Keith Lee and Raw is the opposite of a the push. The complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> In every way, shape, or form. So Why don't uh, we just talk about Keith Lee right now? Yeah, let's do it. Well, who cares? We'll bounce around. Who fucking cares about payback? Like, yeah, you can just, we just interject it whenever. Yeah, let's talk about Keith Lee in a romper with new terrible music getting his ass kicked and then saved by Drew McIntyre. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You just summed it up. What are you doing? As why? I watch, a pa- why, as you, I watch a- why do you bring him up then? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> as I watch a Papadia commercial. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Um, yeah, that's that's PTSD for you. But oof. Um. Yeah. So I mean, it's like you have this guy, and he got over in NXT. He's a nice little ratings draw. Okay. When when you look at his quarter hours and whatnot, so we could safely say that um, he was he's someone who got over. 
um, on that brand, and then you bring him to Raw, you tout his debut at SummerSlam, you give him a little video package the next night at SummerSlam and say he's coming to Raw tomorrow. And then he comes to Raw, and it just, just reminded me of what they would do when they would bring guys in from territories in the 80s or they would uh, somebody would jump from a promotion in the 80s or 90s. And they would just change them just enough to totally sap them of all of their charisma. It's like Keith Lee wasn't completely put into a different gimmick or anything, but they changed just enough about him to take away everything that made him cool previously. Like you said, he's now, for whatever reason, he's wearing a romper. I don't know what's going on. I've heard it described as a romper. I've heard it described as a tennis skirt. I've heard it described as baggy shorts. And plus, he's wearing a bodysuit on top of that. Um, you know, allegedly, they asked him to lose weight, and he didn't. So now they've got him in this outfit. How much <laughs> they weight? Don't bring here's him up. Like... How much? But here's the other thing. He's Keith Lee. He's yeah, well, what, yeah, he's guy. not like, much larger than Keith Lee was two months ago. It's fucking Keith Lee. Like, and how much weight did you think he was going to lose? Did you think he was going to look like 1984 Tony Atlas when you called him up? <laughs> I mean, he's Keith Lee. This is what he looks like. And this is actually part of his hook. He's a big, yeah, big burly, barely barrel chested dude. Yeah, he's just a. Have you ever have you ever stood next to Keith Lee in real life? No, I have. I've been in an elevator. He's fucking with him. huge. It's incredible. He's the size of a house. It's awesome. He's an enormous man. And the thing about it is, that's the hook that he's a guy with that frame and that size who can do things that cruiserweights do. That's the appeal. That's why he gets over. So it's like. You know, you're asking him now. Look, are you, you telling me Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon don't know what, what, like, what people are? Yeah, you know, okay, yeah, go ahead. Rich, that's exactly what. Oh, I'm wow, <laughs> you got to back this up with some facts here, sir. So it's like, you know, you know, it's like how much, God. you know, look, if you want him to drop a couple pounds, I, okay, but do, what do you, what do you expect them to look like when? You, and, yeah, he's and not gonna come made, in svelte. He's not gonna come with a six pack and oh, there we go, pal. That's what and, we wanted. And you, like, and you made a good point. If the directive was, you need to lose twenty pounds. Before we call you up, that's all we're asking. Go from I don't know what he weighs, but go from three sixty to three forty or whatever he weighs, three forty to three twenty. I have no idea what the man weighs, but if it was you need to lose twenty pounds, tighten it up a little, and he didn't lose the weight, then just don't fucking call him up. Don't call him up and then sabotage him. Because what good does that do anyone? What I would do is take him in a room and say, "Look, man, we told you three months ago to drop some pounds. You didn't do it, so we're going to give you." Another couple, but then if you, you know, you might lose your spot here. Okay. I don't have a problem with, with asking a wrestler to conform to certain aesthetics for, you know, a national TV show. The problem is if they don't, then just don't call them up because what they've done here is completely sabotage the guy. The, the, the ring gear is atrocious and it, it, it absolutely is a negative. They changed his entrance song, which I don't understand. If you can use the song on USA Network on national TV, on NXT, why wouldn't you be able to use the song on Raw? So that tells me they just don't want to use the song. Because there does, there's no other logical explanation for the song not being used on the same network on a different Right, night. right, right. I've heard that like, oh, well, it's an, it's an old CFO song and, and stuff and they want to get And I get that. That makes all the sense in the world. But why right now? Why, why didn't that, you know, if, if, if you don't want to use CFO songs anymore and you want to move on to the new things, then like, just then you, you could have done that four months ago, five months ago, six months ago. It's the same network. It's the same station. It's all network TV. It's not like all of a sudden he came from, you know, WWE Network exclusive show to now, oh, my God, he's on national television. He's been on national television for a year, two years. Like, I, it just, that, that, I, I get 
why people say that, and I understand that theory, but it doesn't make any sense why right now is the moment that you decide, oh, we have to change that music. Yeah, and, and then you get down to the debut itself, where it's okay. He's in a program with Randy Orton. Great. I mean, I, I don't know if you can pick a better person. Oh, man, hold on. I don't know if you could pick a better person. <laughs> You're so fine. You couldn't be any more fine right now, right? I'm fine. <laughs> right. I don't know if you could pick a better person to put him in a program with on the entire show than Randy Orton. I get that. But then they have like a three-minute match, and it ends in a schmaz. And then all of <laughs> That's just a three-minute match. Keith Lee is within an inch of his life getting beaten out of him by Randy Orton. And yes. then Drew McIntyre runs out to save the day. <laughs> like... Yeah. And then all of the attention is on Drew McIntyre right. as Keith Lee does the thing where he rolls out of the ring and then disappears, <laughs> exit stage left. Right. That classic WWE thing. Right. And, and we, nothing... oh, the best part, the best part, Joe, is we have the dorks, the same, the same WWE dorks saying, all right, he's in the ring there with Randy Orton. That's, you know, that's going to make him a star. <laughs> you know, the same. I cannot believe after everything that we have seen over the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen fucking years is that being in the ring with a star doesn't make you a star. It's not the osmosis effect of, oh, well, geez, yeah. Keith Lee's in there getting his ass kicked by Randy Orton, but that Keith Lee's going to be a star because he's getting his ass kicked by Randy Orton. That never happens that way, ever. Cedric Alexander, last year, same conversation we were having. Doesn't just happen. Oh, he got beaten by AJ Styles eight weeks in a row. You know, he's going to be a star one of these days. Oh, yeah? Really? When? Yeah, how'd that work out? Yeah, where's that go? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's completely stupid. Um, I don't know how many times people have to see this before they realize it doesn't work. It's not just being in the ring with the stars doing well. Here's what would have made Keith Lee a star in one night. He comes out in the same gear he wrestled in two nights earlier on TakeOver with the same entrance theme, and he wrestles Randy Orton, and he beats him clean in the middle in three minutes in a squash. That makes Keith Lee a star. Or maybe it doesn't, but that's how you attempt to make Keith Lee a star. That's how you do it. That puts people on notice. Oh, shit. Randy Orton just got squashed clean in the middle by this new guy who stood over his dead carcass and, uh, and, and, and screen fades to black. That's how you do it. Okay? And then maybe they have a nice little three-match program on the next three pay-per-views. Randy Orton, of course, is going to want his revenge. Oh, this guy caught me off guard. I wasn't prepared for him. Hey, payback's a great him. time for him to do that. Perfect. Yes. Keith Lee perfect. comes out, shocks him. Randy Orton goes, no, 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 no. This Sunday, a payback. You and I get in the ring. I'm going to prove that you're just a fluke or whatever. Perfect. Exactly. And then he wins. And then maybe they have a third match at the next pay-per-view. But the key to all of this is Keith Lee goes over strong in the end. You have to have that. Okay? Uh, none of that works if Randy Orton goes over strong at the end. But, Rich... We're operating under the premise that you want to make a star. Right. How silly Sorry. is that? Sorry. I haven't done yeah. that in years. I mean, you, you know, they're not, that's not, they're not interested in that. They're not interested in that. To them, you have to come to Raw and then pay your dues to Randy Orton for fucking six months. Yeah, they got to break you down and build you back up, pal. That's how we do it. Right, which is totally counterproductive. And then by then, the fans don't care about you anymore because you're wearing a fucking – you're wearing a romper and you're getting your ass kicked and they have no reason to believe in you when – and the thing with Keith Lee is they had it all they had they, they saw what what he's capable of in terms of crowd connection at Survivor Series. They saw what he has what he's capable of in terms of crowd connection at the Royal Rumble. He with the fist bump with Roman Reigns, the good performances in those in those matches, right? And then you bring him up to Raw and you you think you would just copy that. <laughs> right? So if you don't want to squash Randy Orton and do what I would do, because Randy Orton to me can't be hurt. Randy oh, God, Orton no. Jesus Christ. No, he's been pushed for 20 years. He's Teflon. 
It's he can't be hurt, but he, but he could definitely get somebody over, especially with the way he's been pushed lately. So you put Keith Lee in there to beat this guy in three minutes, but if you don't want to sacrifice Orton, do it with anyone then. Just have the guy look strong. Okay? This was the opposite of making someone look strong on top of the botched presentation. So what you ended up coming out of this with was near universally people were saying that this debut was a gigantic flop. And now that's hard to come back from. That's very hard to come back from because now he's, he's playing from behind as opposed to going into payback with momentum. Oh shit. They're getting behind somebody. Is he going to beat Randy Orton again? He, he looked great on Monday. Now we're going into payback with, Oh my God, this guy, they totally fucking botched this already. Forget it. And it, and it's a shame, you know, cause it's no fault of Keith Lee's. It'd be one thing if he debuted on raw and he shit the bed, but none of this was his fault. And that's what's so frustrating about it. <sighs> All right. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the takeover show. Do you want to start from the beginning or do you want to keep going down uh, from the top of the show down? Let's go down top down at this point, I guess. Okay. So, uh, so we'll go to the uh, women's title match here. It was Io Shirai defeating Dakota Kai. I think a little bit of a surprise. I think you and I both thought uh, Io Shirai was, was due to probably lose at this point. But uh, she wins the match, retains the title against Dakota Kai. I really like this match. What did you think of it? It was all right. It was a good match. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of strong thoughts about it. Uh, they, they did the tag match on NXT this week, which I think supports kind of what we were saying on the preview, that Gonzalez is really the one that's going to get pushed here and not Kai long term. And they had Gonzalez pin Rhea Ripley in the tag. So it was Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley against Kai and Gonzalez. So Kai is still kind of, of a, <laughs> right. So Kai is still in a program with Shirai, sort of. But this is all about Gonzalez, yeah, and we knew right, it would right, be. Right. And 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 Gonzalez getting that big pin on Ripley. I mean, that's exactly what Keith Lee should have done to Randy Orton. I mean, it was also clean for the. Like, it was like as clean as a heel is ever going to win in that company when she beat Ripley on on NXT and and. Yeah, it sucks for Ripley, but I've I've given up the goat. I, I it's like I don't even get upset about Ripley anymore because it's very clear that they just don't view her the way they used to for whatever reason, you know. And um, you know, again, everything since WrestleMania with her has been a complete and utter disaster. And at this point, it almost doesn't matter because I I look. Are they going to push Rhea Ripley again? Of course they are. What is she like? Twenty three or something? Yeah, she's twenty two or twenty three. Yeah. I mean, she's going to get pushed, and she's probably going to be a quote-unquote big star for a long time. But by the time they get around to pushing her again, it's like all the, the, the juice is gone, man. You know, she had all that momentum going into the Charlotte match, and, and she shouldn't have lost. But even if – you know, there was still a chance to keep, to keep her juice even after she lost at Mania. But every decision they've made since then has just been – and now she's – you know, whatever the she's, – she's a jag – but in this case, it's just a girl instead of just a guy. You know, it's it's like, and now she's out here putting putting over the next person. Yeah, dude, already, fucking feuding with jobbers three. and shit. Yeah, it, it's yeah. And then, look, I, I don't mind pushing Gonzalez. I think you want. I, I don't mind pushing anyone. Give anyone a, a good push because that's what you really need to do. But well, it's like in in the old days and in, in, back in the old days, Joe. I hate to be that guy, but like you would push Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley at the same time. Yeah, and build a match between the two. Right, which is what they kind of teased at the end of this takeover match when Rhea Ripley came out sort of presumably to challenge Dakota Kai and then Gonzalez stood in front of her Eel. 
EO, right? or EO. That's what. That, sorry, that's what I meant. And then you know, Gonzalez steps in front, and that would be a good opportunity to say, okay, cool. You know, in six months' time, you're right under your little whiteboard. In six months, let's get to this point. These two facing each other. What do we do from now until six months later to get this good match to happen? And and what is not on the plan is week one. You have one of the people pin the other person. It's probably oh, yeah, not what I would it. do. Yeah, no, four days later, we have <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. on my whiteboard, that's not what the next step is. Is oh, you know what we should do? Have them pin each other. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not what I would do, but you know, it's I'm yeah. not Albert, so what do I know? So, it's uh, I'm not who? Yeah, I, Albert, uh, big, big Albert, big uh, Lord Tensai. He's oh, there in the room, the yeah, he's in there in the room, he's in there in the room, you know. Isn't he more of a PC? Yeah, guy, I think like... so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, I just, I'm just joking. It's on NXT, they showed the uh, the NXT, you know. Board of directors or whatever talking about it. it's just Triple H, William Regal, Shawn Michaels, and Albert. Right. Like, no, what I are we gonna uh, do here? <laughs> I think it's Big Gabe, according to the Observer. That's a, yeah. They said uh, they said the Gabesters. So one of the guys. Well, he's been in the room. I mean, he's been in the room a long time, but he's now risen to prominence in the room because the old head writer. Yeah, is Bill gone. Castro bounced. Yeah, that guy's gone, and it's now who's the other guy in there with. Because the other guy is said to have more influence than, than Gabe, but Gabe is now – he's risen up the ladder. I mean he's been in the room, but he's risen up the ladder. The other dude is the one but, – but at the end of the day, it's Triple H. You know, Just like with AEW, at the end of the day, it's Tony Khan. And at, with main roster WWE, at the end of the day, it's Vince McMahon. At the end of the day, it's Triple H. And you know, guys like Shawn Michaels are going to have way more influence than Gabe Sapolsky or any of the other ancillary writers that they do have pitching ideas you know they might have their own little programs that are their babies and those are the kind of things that we'll never find out who's responsible for what but if you pay attention now you could probably see some things that have those old gabe fingerprints if you've studied his booking booking over the years um but uh but yeah i mean it's it's just you you think they're they're getting back on the horse with rhea ripley in that post-match like you say and then four days later she's eating another pin clean clean center of the ring to Gonzalez. So it's not about Dakota Kai and it's not about Rhea. It's about Gonzalez right now, but you saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. So I, I think I, I, I probably liked this match a little bit more than you did. I'm about three and a half stars. Uh, with, with this. Match. Yeah. yeah I no, I thought like really hard hitting too, which is what I love about it. anytime like Dakota Kai and, and uh, Io Shirai are in there. They just beat the shit out of each other. You know what I mean? They're just like, just hard moves, fast moves, and it went. It was 17 minutes long, but I thought it all had it, it all was worked at a very, very good pace. No, was it tremendous? Was it one of the best you know NXT women matches ever? No, no, nowhere near there. But I thought well worked and 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 hard hitting too, which is what I always really stand out. Uh, really stands out to me uh, about Io Shirai and Dakota Kai uh, in NXT. So there's times when the heel bodyguard is just a big stiff, and you know it's a big stiff. But then there's times where the big heel bodyguard, you can tell that they're next. Like with Diesel. Mm-hmm. Oh, You yeah. knew that Diesel was next. Right? You know that Gonzalez was next. You know, it, it, this, there's a difference between Gonzalez and Diesel, and I can't think of one now, but th- you've seen a million of them. Luther Reigns. <laughs> yeah, where they're just, you know that they're just not next. And they're really just there and and, and to be a heater and, you know, uh, the person who they are employed by in the storyline is 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 the star, but in this case, we know it's Gonzalez long term. All right, so next match here is one I know you and I definitely want to talk about. Adam Cole defeats Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee does his WWE debut as wrestling. Day. I think he he maybe appeared on some other random indie show uh, many many years ago. But Adam Cole defeats Pat McAfee. Sixteen minutes, eleven seconds. Uh, real quickly, I'll, I'll kind of give my 
uh, brief thoughts, and we'll kind of go back and forth uh, on this match. But I thought one of the things that was awesome about this, and I would say I, it, it definitely applies to the Dominic match too uh, against Seth Rollins the next night, which you know we, we talked about on, on the Instant Reaction Live or whatever. But what I loved about this match is, despite everything that, well, okay, <laughs> it's hit or miss. Okay, what? Okay, the thing with Pat McAfee, and, and it was exactly the same with Dominic as well, is that this dude. You compare this, and, and I talked about this on Instagram, you compare Pat McAfee to insert random WPC person, whether it be male, female, whatever, person that's been there for three years, person that was a real athlete, person that was whatever, they went to the Performance Center, they presumably train day and night to become a WWE superstar, Joe. They know how to become superstars. They know where the hard cam is. They know how to form an entrance. They understand how to move their hands to the music of their entrance. They know what it looks like to have good gear. They're really good at deadlifts because they have deadlift competitions in their gym. And they have, they're using these power racks every day. And they're lifting like crazy. And they're doing hip talks classes. And they're watching the Ironman match. They're watching Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart you know, in the 60 minutes. or what. And then they come out and they have no feel for the ring. They have no idea where the ropes are. They have no idea how to look to the crowd. They have no idea how to react to a crowd. They have no idea how to think on their feet. They have no idea how to do any of that stuff. And you see Pat McAfee here, who, again, like, I don't know how much of this got cut or edited or whatever. I don't know anything about the Dominic match either. I don't know how much was rehearsed beforehand and how much they, they went through. But goddamn, if this guy didn't look like a natural pro wrestler, a guy that gets it. At the end of the day, gets it. Whatever it is to be a pro wrestler. Comes out, he's immediately feels comfortable, looks comfortable, has a swagger about him. Everything he does in the match is, no, it's not technically incredible. It's not an incredible match whatsoever, but he has a good feel for it. He knows where the ropes are. He's attacking the ropes. He's bouncing. He's running all over the ring. He's, he's doing flips. He's doing big spots. After spots, he makes good faces. You know what I mean? Like Everything that it takes to become a natural wrestler, this guy gets it. Dominic, to a large extent, had it. And everybody that they train in their fucking million-dollar facility has no fucking clue how to do it. And why is that? Well... I do think it might be fair to say that they give a little more rope to sort of these celeb- you know, either a celebrity or someone like Dominic in terms of what they're allowed to do in there. I mean, a Pat McAfee is in a big match against Adam Cole on a takeover. So, you know, he's allowed to do a flip dive off the top rope to the floor. Whereas, you know, random PC call where, you know, Jake Atlas might be a little more restricted. They might ask him to go out there and have a six minute match. And uh, he's forced to hold back. Uh, But also some people are just naturals at this. And Pat McAfee, I mean, we knew he was going to have the athleticism. We told anyone who would listen. Could you believe people arguing with us about that? To not underestimate him as an athlete. (laughs) He's a punter. He is is one of the 0.1% of greatest athletes that have ever lived. He played in the NFL. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you have never met somebody that was as good of an athlete as Pat McAfee was. Yeah, and I mean, and not every punter is. You're going to have some NFL punters that are just guys who happen to kick well and aren't athletes at all. But he, we tried to tell people yeah, that that, that not was bad. not him. He was a different. He was a real athlete. Um, you know, and 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 young, and that's the other thing. He's like 33. You know, he's younger than half the people on the takeover card. So that was the other thing too. But that didn't necessarily mean he was going to be good at this. But like you're saying, he had all of the instincts too, and. He looked like – now, look, he didn't, you know, he didn't look like a 10-year season pro. No. There were little things about what he – but for a guy in his first match, his instincts, you could tell that he had the instincts for it. And it was uh, right up there with the greatest um, debut performances of all time. And again, we don't know what was edited. From what I hear, though, from what we've heard so far, not much. I mean, it's not like they pieced this thing together like Edge versus Randy Orton. Um, you know, in a meticulous way. Uh, 
and I didn't see like a bunch of jump cuts. Not like I was looking real close. For yeah, it. I, I was. Yeah. I, I was looking the entire time to say, oh, okay, that was clearly they redid that. I I don't think I noticed a one to be honest. Yeah. So I mean, he looked great. You know, he looked just as good as anyone who has ever debuted uh, that I have ever seen. And a lot of it was the instincts and the mannerisms and how to, just how to carry yourself in the ring. And um, that was the question mark, but he had that too. So you combine that with elite athleticism and the fact that he loves pro wrestling and, and has wanted to do this for a while and gets pro wrestling because he's a fan. That's the other big thing. It all worked. So and one, th- one thing I got really encouraged by, it was earlier in the week, I, I had somebody that sent me a message and said, um, gave me kind of a list of, of, of of wrestlers that Pat McAfee likes and watches and the shows that he watches and the things that he, he looks at and studies or whatever. And when I saw that list and I heard those names, I was like, Oh yeah, dude, this guy, like one of the names given to me was Tim storm it was like Pat McAfee fucking loved Tim storm. Really? Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, well he's, we're good then we're good. This isn't a WWE Mark that's sitting there and watching the fucking Iron Man match and going, Oh yeah. When I heard that he loves Tim storm, that he went out of his way to like consume as much Tim storm stuff as he could. I was like, oh, we're good, man. We're good. This guy gets it. Because yeah, only, not... your only real ones really get the Tim Storm thing, you know? Yeah, because it's not, it's not just that you're digging deep to, 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 you know, to watch your, your NWA tapes. But it's also because there's a lot of subtlety to Tim Storm's yeah. work. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who is past the age of 50 who doesn't have the physical capability anymore but has that veteran savvy and knows little tricks and has gotten over – because of it and that that is a very admirable person to study i yeah, would say yeah when, when you watch a guy who who maximizes everything that he brings to the table and yeah. makes the most out of the least then you're good if you're studying that guy you're fine <laughs> you know what i mean like you're gonna yeah. be okay and, and it is a deep cut for a guy like that yeah because your... i thought he would be like yeah no my favorite wrestler is Shawn michaels and eddie guerrero you, you know like the normal like wapc thing is like the same five people that they always mention all the time but right. like yeah hearing that i was like oh pff, we're good then this guy's gonna yeah. get it. Uh, one thing I will have an issue with in this match, I, I love, I love, I like this match a lot. One thing I did have an issue with, I don't know if I love Adam Cole being taken to his absolute fucking limit by okay, I want, debuting. Was, so right, hold on now, that was gonna be one of my talking points. We'll get to that because I think you can make the same argument with Dominic the next night. I see. I think I don't think Dominic ever took set to his limit though. Well, then good. We could talk about uh, we could talk about that. But before we get to that, what'd you think about them starting with a lockup? Adam Cole wanted to kill this man. Yeah, well, Do you think he would have locked up with this guy? <laughs> Look, that's not Adam Cole. I, I agree. agree. I'm with you. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I didn't like. I thought it was weird that they started with a lockup. Now, if it was more of Adam Cole saying, "I'm going to school this dude. He's coming into my world. I can't believe he wants to lock up with me. I'll humor him." But I, but I didn't get that vibe from the lockup. You know what I mean? It's not like Adam Cole locked up with him and then gave him a quick arm drag and laughed at him. Yeah, I would, I would do the lockup lock and then the shove to the ground of the arm drag and just kind of laugh and smirk and be like, yeah, you're in my world now, pal. You know what I mean? Like that, that, right. I'm like, that I have no issue with. It's like, and maybe that was the idea, but it didn't come across. No, that. they were like jockeying for position and like back yeah. at Adam for a second. I'm like, no, 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 no. All wrong. And then that leads into what you just said. It's like, should Pat McAfee be taking who in kayfabe? Is is they tell us is arguably the greatest NXT champion of all time. That's what they tell us in kayfabe. 
Longest title reign, all that stuff. What, 380 days or whatever it yeah, was? Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. Should he be taking that man to the limit and fighting 50-50 with him? My answer is no, but their answer was yes. I agree, especially yeah, when their answer outsider... was he should get five or six different hope spots where you almost think, oh my god, they're going to have Pat McAfee beat Adam Cole here. And Adam Cole especially kicks out at, Mac... the, at the last second, yeah. Well, especially when McAfee's positioned as the heel. Like, the only way that that works is if he uses dirty tricks to take to, to get the advantage in the match, right? There wasn't a whole ton of that. No, no. And the it, problem it was kinda... the build. The build was Pat McAfee saying, you need the Undisputed Era to help you win or whatever. Adam Cole saying, no, I don't. And then Pat McAfee has guys at ringside. It would have made all the sense in the world for those guys to come in and start helping and boom, boom, boom. And maybe get yes. some, some hope. AJ Hawk does a fucking spear to Adam Cole or whatever. And then McAfee goes for the pinfall or whatever. And you have the hope spot of, oh, my God, Pat McAfee's going to beat him here because he got help from his guy. And what a, what a hypocrite this asshole was. He said that, you know, Adam Cole couldn't do it on his own. And now he can't do it on his own. But no, he just, like, <laughs> outworked him. I mean, it's like a 50-50 match, you know? And, 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 you know, and then the next night, and this is where we'll part ways. But I feel like it was the same thing with Dominic. And it's like, what does that say about how the, you know, Adam Cole and Seth Rollins when people in their very first match can take you to the limit and almost beat you? You can do that, but it has, the story has to be told in a very specific way. And this is probably all overthinking anyway because – it's fucking WWE yeah. and you're it's, it's goldfish booking. You're not supposed to remember anything anyway. And, um, you know, but I, I really feel like in both cases, the new guys, uh, got way too much, but I guess you could explain why you don't think that was the case. Yeah. See, I, the, the way I saw the, the Seth Dominic thing is it felt like Seth was just kind of playing around with him. Cause a lot of the stuff that Dominic got out of Seth was like Seth getting a little too big for his britches and worrying about talking shit to Ray or, or worrying about Angie and, and kind of fucking around a little bit. But anytime he really needed to, he shut him down immediately and put him in the mat and, it, but but then he would you know then decide oh I'm gonna I'm gonna jaw jack with Ray and I'm gonna do that sort of I I think if you watch these two matches back to back you will see that the structure was a little bit different where well I, I have less of a problem I have less of a problem where the established guy is the heel because you want him to look foolish right and that, and I think that's what Seth was Seth would get him in the mat and then instead of just pinning him and then finishing him off he'd you know walk over to Ray and go oh I'm killing your side you know <laughs> like you know just yeah. dumb shit like that and he'd get back in the ring and the Dominic would do a drop kick or whatever and then a uh, you know you know something like that and he'd be like oh shit but then when Seth wanted to take back control he got back control right away but then he had to go out and 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 jaw jack with with ray again or he had to try to put dominic's eye through you know the steps or he had to go walk over to angie and and, and, but he had the match multiple times but he just didn't want to because he wanted to fuck around and and make him suffer whereas adam cole like you're saying is the baby face was taken to the absolute limit by a presumed heel in pat mcafee and that just that that's weird strange here's here's the bottom line i came out of this match not thinking man pat mcafee really got put in his place I came out of this thinking, man, I hope Pat McAfee... <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Which, I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if that was the intent. Like, I, I think the intent should have been, yeah, Adam Cole proved that, you know, this guy's a blowhard, and Adam Cole proved that he's one of the greatest wrestlers in NXT history, and he's going into this four-way and might become champion. No, my feeling coming out of this was, wow, I'm, I think Pat McAfee has a chance to be good at this. So, I don't know, but... I, as an overall package, all the nitpicking aside, this uh, exceeded expectations. 
and was probably my favorite match of the night. Yeah, oh, for sure. 100% me as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm a four-star splat with this one, which is a great debut for Pat McAfee. Uh, a match that on cage match is the highest match of the night, but Joe, I'm going to be honest, I have maybe a minute of takes on this. The NXT North American title five-way ladder match. Damian Priest defeats Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano, and Velveteen Dream. I thought, dude, I did not think this was very good at all. People love the ladder matches. I, people I love ladder it. matches, man. I, I don't, get it. I'm done. I'm done with them. I'm over them forever. So this one might be good. I'm just, I think I'm over them. I think I'm done I with them I think just they, they always leave me empty now. At this point, I'm just always left empty by these things. So I don't have any takes either. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, uh, the one thing I, I will say is, is on the egregious, oh my God, just go get the title front, uh, you know, where most ladder matches are like, oh my God, just climb up the goddamn ladder. This one may have been the all time. There were so many opportunities where guys were literally touching the title. Velveteen Dream does his pose on top of a very tall ladder, hits the belt. The belt sways back and forth, and he goes, God damn, let me get on this other ladder to get the belt. And the ladder is shorter than the one he was on, which he was touching the belt on. Oh, my God. I'm watching that being like, Jesus fucking Christ. I think a lot of times these guys are kind of hung out to dry because the person is late. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, my my favorite ladder match move too is guy goes up two rungs, stops, and then <laughs> does the reach. Right, I'm almost the there. Reach. Oh wait, no, I'm 15 feet away. All right, <laughs> why are you stopping two rungs up the ladder to do the reach? Just well, keep I do that when I'm like when I'm when ladder. I'm getting a ladder on to like you know go do something on the roof. I you know I get two rungs up and I grab my nail and I go all right here we go. <laughs> Let me reach. Uh, no, yep, not nope, there nope, yet. Still can't put the nail in yet. All right, well. I'm only six inches off the ground. Let me continue climbing. It is, it, <laughs> so that's the one that kills me too. But um, I think they're nervous. They don't want to get stuck in that no man's land where they're all the way up the ladder and the dope that's supposed to tip it over is still laying on the floor. You know, so it's like the timing is always a little weird with these things. I don't know. I'm just tired of these matches. Yeah, though. I just have I no take. Like, so if you liked it, you liked it. But I guys falling off ladders, guys sitting around, I, I just have nothing for it anymore. So if If I took over the company tomorrow and had autonomous control of everything, one of the first things I'd do is no more ladder matches for a minimum of five years. Nobody would see a ladder. Not a single fan would see a ladder for at least another half decade. And then from there, it would be one ladder match every two years maximum. That's it. You do a ladder match, you can't do another one for two full calendar years. And that's how, because then you would sort of get the cachet back. You, you make it something special, and people would forget about all the crazy bumps, and uh, it would it, it, they would mean something again. You know, I'd get rid of money in the bank, all that shit. Just no more ladder matches for five years. That's the only way you're going to – or maybe we're the outliers and people still enjoy these things. Do you think these things are still a draw? I don't think they can be. Dude, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be surprised. Like As a kid, I loved them, but the reason I loved them as a kid is because like they were so rare, and when it was – Oh my god, it's a ladder match. It was like, oh my god, you had to see this, you had to watch it. Like, yeah, I, I can't imagine anybody still having that appeal. I cannot even fathom in in any universe people being like, well, this is important, man. It's a it's a ladder match. I gotta watch. Like, they just happen all the time, man. NXT's had, I, I want to say three or four this year alone already, right? I have the reverse reaction when I when they announce a ladder oh, I'm match. Done with them. WWE, I'm, I, yeah, it turns me away. I roll my eyes. I'm like, oh man, I gotta watch another ladder match. How is that possible? These things were great for years. And you looked forward to them, and it was like you looked forward to, like, who, oh, who's going to be in Money in the Bank this year? Oh, they got to get Evan Bourne in that thing, or they got to get Kofi Kingston in that. Now it's like I, I, I see ladder match, and I'm, oh I'm turned God. off by it. Joe, okay, so this is including NXT, NXT UK, 
Raw, SmackDown, WWE pay-per-views, everything. So yeah. 2010 to 2020, TV shows and pay-per-views only, not including yeah. house shows, obviously. How many ladder matches have we seen in from 2010 to 2020? Oh, my, my God. In 10 years? Well, I would say at least three a year. So I, I will, I don't know, I'll say 30. This says, well, let me, hold on. Let, let me make sure because I don't know if this is entirely correct. One, one sec. I, I have to make sure because the number that I have is Some of those early startling. years might not have had, Some of those early years might not have had three a year, though. I might be a little high. Um, but definitely recent years at least. Okay, I have now filtered out properly. Okay, they've had at least three this year. They've had them on every brand. Okay, so what, what's your official number then? Uh twenty-five. Sixty-eight. What? <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's like seventy years. Sixty-eight on all the brands. Holy shit! How many this year? Uh, how many four this year? Oh my god! One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight alone this year. Eight? Rich, I could probably name three of them. You had the NXT UK tag team title one. Yeah, boom. That's number one. The one we just saw. Uh, WrestleMania for the tag team titles with the singles wrestlers. Yep. There you go. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> um, How do you remember that match, dude? That that match may as well have happened in, in, in fucking 1986. But yeah, okay. Yeah, it had a crash pad. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, that. Right, right, right. Um, they had a Money in the Bank, Otis. Yep, Otis. Un- Money in the Bank, Asuka. Yep. So that's five. How many were there? Uh, eight. Oh, fuck. Um, that's all I got, honestly. What were the other ones? Well, I, mm, okay. It looks like, yeah, did they double up one or did they do two? Okay, it looks, okay so sorry, it's actually seven. It looks like Cage Mask doubles up uh, the NXT okay. UK uh, one. So. Okay. All right. So it's indeed, it's seven. Uh, you're forgetting the uh, match that everybody loved and everybody said was going to be the match of the year we were going to talk about forever and then we talked about for two weeks. Uh, the U.S. title ladder match between Andrade and, and Rey Mysterio on Raw. Oh, yeah, that was such just a match. <laughs> that was like, this is the greatest experience. On, on SmackDown, right? Like uh, It was, Raw, it was Raw, yeah. They had a match on SmackDown and then they had this match on Raw. And both of them were like, oh my god, Rey Mysterio is the greatest both, worker both like the first history. Week, both yeah. like the first week of January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. January 20th and, and I forget what the other one was, so. Yeah, they were, like, perfectly good little matches. Actually, one of them was, like, fine, and the other one was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, NXT, WWE NXT 398, you had a NXT women's number one contendership ladder match, which Io Shirai won. Oh, yeah, that was so dull. With Chelsea yeah. Green, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox. All those. Cool. And then, uh, and then obviously, the one that we saw. So, you, you only missed, you really only missed one, to be honest. I missed or two, two. Missed. two. You missed two. You missed the ladder match on Raw, and then the uh, number one contendership ladder match. So, yeah, I probably, if I want, if we wanted to waste more airtime, I would have thought of the Ray one, but I never would have remembered the um, number one contender one. No shot. And that probably was only a few weeks. That's probably like a month ago. Yeah, or, there was nine yeah. last year. <laughs> Holy shit! Ah. <laughs> uh. It's crazy. It's uh, this is why we don't care about it. This is why I don't fucking. I'm done. I'm over them. I'm good. I'm literally every brand right down to NXT yeah, UK. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, fucking done. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, this last match here: Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher at a wrestling match, Joe. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, second best match on the show. I thought it was a little better than um, Dakota Kai and and Io Shirai. Um, 
Balor won as predicted. I'm curious. I'm still, if... I still don't get it. I, you got to explain this to me, Joe. Okay, I'll try. I think I really think we were on the right path. I think if Cross hadn't gotten injured, we we're getting Balor Cross as the next program. Okay. So I think I think Balor is going to win the title in the four way. So is that a good transition? It is. Yeah, yeah. About? Hopefully, hopefully that is the case. But yeah, go ahead. So that was takeover. Lower end takeover, I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it like. Honestly, if you like the ladder match, you probably like it a little bit more. I like Cole McAfee. I like the Yoshirai Dakota Kai. I like Finn Balor, Timothy Thatcher. I'd say three out of five matches I, I liked. The ladder match is just kind of like a, I don't know. I didn't like it, but I'm sure people did. And then the main event just fucking stunk. So uh, anytime you have a stinky main event, it's going to it's gonna make the show feel kind of like a middle-of-the-road takeover for sure. So Yeah. So um, they're going to have the cross with the shoulder, so they're going to have a four-way... S- 60-minute four-way Iron Man match, which uh, we talked a little bit about Gabe Sapolsky fingerprints. Um, I don't know if this was his idea, but, uh, you know, they did a match like this in the early days of ROH. So it's possible that he pitched this. It seems very convoluted to me because, you know, the thing is, everything in NXT feels convoluted. They just had a tournament with a bunch – with five – three-way matches to determine who was going to be in a five-way ladder match. It's like, why is everything so confusing? And then they had singles matches from people who lost in the three-way matches to determine who also gets in the ladder match. And now we're having a four-way 60-minute Iron Man match. How does that even work? Like, you just count up the falls for each guy. It's just too much, Rich. It's too much. It's convoluted. And, um, I don't know if I want to watch an hour match with these four guys. Yeah, I'm not sure. So the way that they did the uh, – it, it was a crowning a champion, the, one of the – I think it was the third or fourth um, yeah. ROH show ever, is that whoever won, they won the title for that moment. So it was like – because it was Eloki, Daniels, Spanky, and was it Doug Williams, I want to say? Does that sound right? Let me – okay, one second. Because somebody's going to tell me, oh, you're wrong. Okay. Um there we go. Okay. It was Doug Williams. So, okay. So, it was Loki, Daniels, Doug Williams, Spanky. So, I forget who exactly got pinned or... Oh, uh, Cage Match has this. Good. Okay. So, Daniels pinned Loki. So, he was technically the champion. But then Loki pinned Spanky. And then he pinned Doug Williams also. So, he, like, kept the... T- it was really weird. You know what I mean? Like, the t- I think the title moves based off it. Or maybe he had two falls and that's what... I I, I haven't seen it in a while. So, actually, I don't remember. So, so you have no idea how... I know. I thought I remember and then I realized that I don't remember as I'm... As I'm reading it, I'm like, wait a minute. Was that what they did? Now I don't remember. So, um, I, I have no idea. I feel like they're just gonna... I feel like these four guys are gonna wrestle for an hour and whoever has the most falls... Right, they're gonna count them up. Okay, Gargano's got two falls. Riff uh, Bauer's got three falls. Like, yeah, that's that's how it, I'm, I'm guessing it's gonna go. So, But I also feel like it's NXT, so there's probably gonna be a tie. Oh, okay, so never mind. Now I have it, because thank you, uh, Wikipedia. So uh, the rules for the match were that every pin or submission wrestler scored, they would gain two points. But if they were defeated or submitted, they would lose one point. Oh, come on. Gabe. This is Gabe 100%, right? I just, let's, I, you, don't, you can't make your audience think this yes. much. Yeah, let's just let's go. Just give me a match. Just give me a match, and there's a winner and a loser. It's just too much. <laughs> I know, everything. You know, it's... it's and what really, I mean... I don't know. Whatever. I guess it emphasizes, yeah. I mean, it emphasizes <laughs> who's losing the falls more so than I. But anyway, th- these guys are going to wrestle for an hour, and I presume it's just going to be whoever has the most falls. And I think Balor is going to win. That's what I was getting around to before. So, uh, no, but we'll see. It's Daddy's home and Gargano, <laughs> and who's the fourth guy? 
It's uh, uh oh Cole. Yeah, Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh off so getting taken to the limit by a football player, an ex football player. So. I don't think it'll be Cole because I think you have to think, you have to think of it in terms of. They didn't expect Cross to be uh, giving up the title, right? So, I don't think Cole's direction was going to be involving the title picture if Cross was still around. So I eliminate him. Same thing with Gargano, right? So that leaves us with Daddy's Home and Balor. So I would pick one of those two. And I really feel like they were going to do a Balor cross program anyway. So I think Balor is going to win the match. That's yeah, and, my and, well, and the good thing with Balor, too, and that's why I kind of agree um, I'm with you, is that when Cross does come back, you know, if and when he does come back, you know, hopefully relatively soon, the easiest guy for him to beat is, is Finn Balor on that list that you said. Like, it, it's just a natural that he would come in there and just devour, you know, Finn Balor. So that makes sense to me, too, that, that he seems like a nice transitional champion. He seems like a uh, – yeah, it, it's just that all those other guys have had runs already. And it feels kind of long in the tooth to get him the title again where Finn would, would feel pretty fresh. And, and Finn can, can face all three of those guys for months on end. You know what I mean? He can face Cole. He can face Gargano. He can face Ciampa. He can face anybody. Where, you know, all those other guys, you're going right back to – you're going to go back to Cole and, and Gargano? You do Gargano and Ciampa? Like, no, you're not going to do that. So I, I, I like the idea of, of, of Balor winning it too. So. I just feel like he was going to have a program across anyway. So yeah, why not right, just right. do it with, the, with him as champ? With, you know, so – uh, you know, that's my take on that. And they're calling that Super Tuesday. What's going on? Why is that airing? I have on no idea. I, I was hoping you knew. I I'm so confused. I, what show was on what day over the last few weeks has been so fucking confusing that we're literally we're doing the show as AEW is happening. Um, next week NXT is on Tuesday for some inexplicable reason. AEW's back to Wednesday, I guess. I, dude, I don't know. I, th- I thought you knew. What's, <laughs> what's airing on USA? On That's what I'm wondering. Week? I don't know. Is it Westminster? It what do we right got now. here? A U.S. Open? What is that on DirecTV? 242? You don't know. Why I, am I asking no you? DirecTV. Yeah. I have yeah, terrible Xfinity. <laughs> All right, hold on. So let me see what's on USA Wednesday at uh, 7 Central. Let's see. All right, so oh, they got a hockey game. USA has a hockey game? Listen, I wasn't aware they were airing hockey. I didn't either. Okay, there you go. Uh, Ask an answer. Wednesday, they've got a hockey. They've got a playoff hockey. When the hell did USA acquire the hockey rights? And and, and NXT is airing. Listen to this shit. Because they got to get a piece of that dynamite. Are you ready for this? (laughs) The NXT from the night before. Hold on a minute. Paul Levesque told me that they worry about themselves and themselves only, Joe. Are you you insinuating that this might not be on the up and up? Yeah, listen. So USA has the hockey playoff game, uh-huh. right? Dynamite's back on Wednesday night, uh, you know, uh, and then also airing on Saturday, I believe, right? But the NXT from the night before is airing on Sci-Fi <laughs> at the same time as Dynamite and the hockey game. They, they're determined. Even if it's one dude, even if it's one guy that doesn't watch AEW and watches NXT instead, they're determined. To get that That's one right. guy to move over. That's incredible. Even if that, sci-fi. It, <laughs> Dude, I, do I get sci-fi anymore? No idea. Not a clue. Even if that NXT replay does 200,000 viewers, <laughs> they are determined to make sure that they go head-to-head with AEW by any means necessary. That is some wild shit as I look at this. So uh, Dynamite will not be unopposed next Wednesday. But... Um, <laughs> So that's the reason. There's, there's a, a hockey replay, playoff game. There's a replay of NXT TakeOver, or NXT, playing on sci-fi. <laughs> what? 
Yep. I have a Paul's right. Yeah, they only, they only worry about themselves. Just uh, worry about ourselves. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, Sci-Fi well, said, "Hey guys, can we get takeover <laughs> or can we get an XD to play on?" Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. God. So that's uh, and then this all leads into uh, payback, where Keith Lee will get that rematch against <laughs> Good. payback Randy Orton. So um, that that feud continues. It's just got off on a horrible foot, and we already discussed that. What else do we know? This show, for payback? dude. This show looks like utter shit. Um, it's happening in like three days. Yeah, I don't yeah, even. Dude, know we're not doing a live show. Forget it. I'm not even watching this shit. Like, they're not getting two fucking weekends out of me back to back. They're well, not. The SmackDown. The SmackDown portion of the build is a two day build. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Why is this happening? It's happening because the because the it's all out is next week. Yes, they, they want you to use your your. They're trying to bl- blow out the territory. Why wouldn't they just have this on Saturday then? Well, because I think their pay per view slots are on Sundays, and remember, it still runs on pay per view. Well, then do Sunday and, then. You know, do do the Sunday of all out then. But they don't want to be wait, the second. You don't want to be the second one because then you burn out the territory, quote unquote. Wait, what are you talking about? Payback is on Sunday. No, I'm saying why not do it next week if you're trying to get at NXT? Well, when is All Out? I think All Out oh, is the week, the week after. after. Right. Oh. So they're trying to so burn yeah, the then... territory? Like that, that old school booking mentality? Well, then that, no. Well, then that must not. I thought it was the same weekend. So then it's not. That's not That's not the reason then because it doesn't make any sense. Why? Like you're saying, you would do it the weekend of All Out. You wouldn't do it this weekend. So... No, yeah, then I don't know. I don't know why they're running the week after SummerSlam. Then I thought it was, I, I thought they would. I thought it would, would be along the lines of, okay, we'll run the same weekend as All Out for the same reason that that NXT replay is running on Saturday. Yeah, that makes all the okay. sense in the world to me. Yeah, because then it's like, oh, well, maybe pay per view buyers will ma- will force them to make a decision. Well, are they are they thinking that that like if oh if pay per view buyers and 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 wrestling fans are going to watch this weekend, they're they're not going to want to watch three weeks in a row of wrestling, right? Like, is that what they're thinking? But I think most. AEW fans would just not watch payback because it sucks. Yeah, I mean, I would if if my plan was to counter program their pay per view, I would do it the same weekend. I wouldn't do it six days before. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense anyway. No, nah, it doesn't because... make sense either way because that that wouldn't work either because then the the presumed burnout, the old school because the old school territory burnout or WWE and WCW did this for a while too is you would run the same town as the other guy and your show would go six yeah. or seven hours and everybody that went to that show is going to get too tired to even go to the show the next day or they're going to skip it or they're not going to have any energy or whatever. That's the plan is we're going to run Chicago on Saturday. WCW is running it on Sunday. Our show is going to go till four a.m. or whatever. Uh, you know, we're going to go to one a.m. or midnight or whatever and, and make everybody tired. And then the next day, WCW is going have a pay-per-view and, and less people are going to go to it was the plan the goal which yeah. i'm sure just happened by accident all the time right you know <laughs> but in this case if you wanted to make a pay-per-view buyer who could afford one show decide you'd run them the very same weekend i would think even though the bill hits the same month why what are we even doing i don't here? know why, I, yeah who knows i don't i don't understand it but they but i do think i mean just look at that sci-fi move next week they are petty enough even though pay-per-view is not their primary. But like you said, they feel like if they can take even one buy away from the competition, one viewer, that that's a success. Yeah, that's why NXT exists right now. Like for, We've said yes. it from the day one. NXT exists right now not to develop the next level of superstars. Not to, it, it, it exists not solely maybe, not 100%, but it exists most notably to take people away from AEW. 
the thirty-five million a year from USA is nice, but they wouldn't be on USA if Dynamite didn't exist. So it's like you can't even say that the thirty-five million a year is the, is one of the motivators, because it would this it would still be on the network if AEW never got off the ground or wasn't able to get a TV deal. The thirty-five million a year is just a bonus. I mean, it's the primary objective here is to take away as many viewers as they can from Dynamite. You're absolutely right. So do I think that this payback positioning might have something to do? Is it possible? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10% off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network that the pay-per-view distributors said we don't want to these both of these shows on the same weekend but WWE, Vince McMahon wouldn't allow himself to be bullied in that matter. God, no. Not, to, he, not some 2020 pay-per-view providers. No. To be, to be pushed to the previous weekend. No. Unless it's the idea that the AEW pay-per-views do more buys so they have the leverage. So 
or do they even do more buys? I mean, these WWF pay-per-views do shocking numbers of yeah, buys. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be still they, be oh, very surprised. surprised they, they spent years telling you how dumb you were for ordering these pay-per-views, and people still ordered them. And now, even in 2020, even though it's fucking $10, <laughs> like, again, we always say yeah. we were day one WWE Network subscribers and we'll be subscribers until they shut the service down. Because it is so laughably, the value that you get for the WWE Network is just laughably ridiculous. That, But there are people. Yeah. There are. I, there are, honest to God, people that, that, that still buy these pay-per-views, which is... is is stunning. Well, anybody that buys this pay-per-view, they are getting a doozy of a card. Because here's what we have right now announced uh, as of this thir- you know, Thursday when we're recording here. Uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Titles, Bayley and Sasha Banks versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. I mean, they could conceivably lose to continue their story of friction, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, it's not impossible. <laughs> I who knows? Who cares? This, this match. Oh, my God. So, WWE United States Championship, Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley. We have sat through, like, literally two months of Apollo Crews versus MVP to get to this point against Bobby Lashley where, like, Bobby Lashley's going to beat this guy, right? And win the title. I mean, I feel like this Hurt Business feud has been going on for... <laughs> Ever. I mean, I the problem is I just don't care about any of it. No, no. I know a lot of people are into it. I just I, I'm not one of them. Um, I just I can't. I don't know. I've I've nothing to say. Yeah. Well, I, I have no feel for who would win this or no, where. Who I, knows? I don't. I, who knows? No. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, no holds barred triple threat for the WWE Universal Championship, Joe. I know you're into this one. The Fiend. It is announced as the Fiend Bray Wyatt yeah. versus Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. So not Bray Wyatt. Not Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt, The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Rich, I've been waiting to get to this. <laughs> I have three questions for you. Okay. That you may not know the answer to. Is Braun Strowman a babyface or a heel? I believe he's supposed to be a heel. Okay, but there's some hesitation, right? Yes. Is Roman Reigns a babyface or a heel? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I had somebody asked me that the other day, and I just said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Is The Fiend a babyface or a heel? I believe he's supposed to be a babyface. I think he's supposed to be a babyface now. <laughs> right. And I think Roman Reigns is supposed to be a heel. I think the idea behind the Roman Reigns thing at SummerSlam was Roman Reigns attacking The Fiend is supposed to be your man about that. I think Braun... Okay. I no, think Braun's this a heel because he was, he was kind of roughing up Alexa, you know what I mean? So that, yes. that turned him. So he is a heel now. I think Braun turned heel in the, Alexis ang- in the Alexa Bliss angle where he threw her, okay? I think the, that, in effect, made The Fiend the baby face, especially since he was nice to Alexa Bliss yes. when he was yeah, like, yeah. when they almost fucked on SmackDown, remember? And uh, where she gave him the boner when she stroked his face and he didn't know how to react. So I think he's a babyface. I think Braun's a heel. And I think with Roman attacking both of them, that makes him, I think you're supposed to think he's a heel. Yeah. He might just be an ass-kicking babyface, but I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure either, but I think that's the idea. (laughs) And that is so fucked up because it's like, this is like a It's not how you're supposed to do it at all. Do something different with Roman, and he just kicks everyone's ass. That great. Now this is what you should have been doing with Roman. 
six years ago. Yeah, what, what I would love is he comes out here and because he kind of, he kind of alluded to it at SummerSlam. He called it. He's, I think he said Bray Wyatt, you're just a freak in a mask. What this should happen is the bell should ring. Superman punch the fiend. Superman punch the brawn. He stacks them on top of each other, pins them both. They both go to the fucking the swamp or whatever the shit. And Roman Reigns is your new champion. And he goes, "What the hell was all that bullshit? Now it's back to normal because I'm here." How great would that? And we'd never see the fiend ever again. He just goes away, disappears, and he goes, "We're done with that freak. We're done with the fun house. We're done with all the swamps. We're done with all that bullshit." Because I'm here. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> like, I yard. Yeah. Yeah, that There's would no be phenomenal. There's here, only yards. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Kick the yeah. brakes. Just, and then do that thing where you shove them with your boot and just roll them out of right, the ring right, until right. they fall. Like, that would be phenomenal. I, I thought this was his big baby face return. He's even wearing a t-shirt that basically says, I just kick everybody's ass. What does the shirt say again? It uh, says, wreck everybody uh, and leave. Wreck everyone and leave. I mean... But now I have my doubts. Like, I see articles on Sports Illustrated. Roman Reigns, the big heel turn. That <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> and I'm like, wait well, a minute. Well, all of a sudden, though, so me- what happened was it must, have, it must have popped up on a bunch of sites. Because the next day I got, like, five text messages. They were like, they finally turned Roman heel. And I'm like, did they? <laughs> when did that happen? Like, I, I thought I missed something on Raw that I didn't watch. Like, I was like, what? Did they? I don't know. And they are like, yeah, you attacked Bray Wyatt and the Strowman. And I was like, I, I don't, was that a heel turn? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, and then I, then I, but then I thought about it. And I thought about... And I'm like, wait a minute, maybe he is a heel. Because I think The Fiend, somehow, someway, was supposed to be the babyface that night. <laughs> it's fucking, what the fuck are they doing? I don't know. The guy that eats people is, is the babyface now, so that's... I mean, I'll tell you what it's going to do, though. 7 o'clock sharp, Fox, I'll be on to that SmackDown tomorrow, I can tell you that. And that might be the whole idea. You know what I mean? I want to see if Roman Reigns really is a heel. I, I'm, I'm confused by all of this. And he probably is because it's a stupid move. It's a bad move to do that now. It'd be the absolute when worst time to turn him heel. So, of course, they would turn him heel right now. Of course, so. they'll do it now. Right. <laughs> right. Because now you have the perfect guy for him to be a babyface against with the Fiend. They should have turned him heel at other times maybe. But this would be the worst time. So, of course, this is when they'll do it. So, it'll you'll, you're going to get a Roman Reigns feud against the Fiend. With the fiend as the baby face, this is what we're gonna get. I, I hope the fiend like calls out Roman Reigns. He's like, "I was here doing the work while you were out at home doing, you know, like." Yeah. But does it in the fiend mask? Talks about how much oh, of a hard course, worker yeah. he is. Like that is fucking terrible. Yeah, because Vince how probably thinks fiend... Vince probably thinks WWE fans are mad at Roman because he wasn't there. Because he has no, he has oh, no, he has no connection with reality at all. Oh, you're right. So I he thinks that oh well, you're gonna come yeah. out, pal, and the fans are gonna be upset because you abandoned them. Like, when in actuality, every most fans were like, "Good for you, cancer survivor. You shouldn't work in a in a during a pandemic." And apparently, the pandemic's over, by the way, which is pretty fantastic. I didn't know. That. Oh, well, everybody's ignoring that. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that we were done, but we're good, so that's good. <laughs> We've all decided. I don't know what my is. dumb wife is doing, yeah. slobbing yeah. people, and putting them on ventilators because yeah. we're done. I don't know what she's doing, idiot. Listen, I tried to tell everyone months ago that we long punted that shit. I mean, everyone just acts like it doesn't exist. Um. But yeah, I think you're onto something. I think you're right. Vince thinks he's a heel. And that's really what it comes down to. It's crazy. I mean, it would make that's all the sense in the world, right? Like, it makes sense. I he mean, thought, he thought Becky Lynch was the heel because Becky Lynch said, I haven't gotten any chances and I'm here to take them. And that was heel. And you're Charlotte's right. saying, I'm better than you because I'm taller and prettier and better than you. And that's the baby face because she's got confidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. And Becky wants stuff given to her. It's just fucking... No clue. No clue. Yeah. Lost Total the plot. Total disconnect. Yeah, lost the plot. So that, that probably is. 
uh, what's going to happen there. So that is WWE Payback this Sunday. Uh, we're supposed to have a preview on the website. I don't know. There's nothing to preview. I mean, like half the show isn't, I guess, announced yet. I guess we'll have a review. We won't be live after that, but uh, WWE Payback. There you go. Um, all right, Joe. I have a question for you. Oh, all you right. What time Tell of me. year is it? What time of year is it right now? It's almost fall. No, but what? It, what is before fall? Summer. Would you say it's summertime? It's summertime. You're right. It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can mean only one thing. It's winning season, Joe. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor and more at my bookie winning season is all about your chance to win big. And Joe, I know you are a, you still, you still doing action. You still, uh, where, where's your betting been going? Have you been, are you getting ready for NFL or have you been doing baseball betting? Uh, you know, I don't typically bet on the baseball, but I, I place a wager or two on okay. the golf now and then. Oh, I forgot I'm you're a golf, golf you're a golf guy now. I'm a golf guy. I saw you in the Slack That's... talking about Phil Mickelson and Jim Furyk and shit. I'm like, what's going on to Joe? Like, yeah, Mickelson, he just turned 50. He yeah, played he were... the, uh, Senior tour event last weekend. He was plus two twenty five. Easy money. You were a horse guy for a while. Are you done with the horse? I'm always a horse guy. Always a horse. Oh, that's always the backup. Any 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 good degenerate gambler can always fall back on the horses because somewhere in the world horses are running around a track at some point. You could bet on them. That's, is, that's right. The horse that's racing that's... is the only sport that never <laughs> never went away ever yeah. never. That's right. Because there's someone racing in Dubai right now. I promise you. Or Florida horses. The, the equines cannot get the COVID, yeah, so they no. just have to run it. That's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, the jockeys. Uh, but anyway, uh, you could bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports of summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. You make your picks. You win big. You collect your cash. You invest in your intuition. Select from 100 of future best, or you can bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. You can put that big brain of yours to good use. You use promo code V. OW. That's promo code VOW, and you double your first deposit at MyBookie. Again, that's promo code VOW to double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, parlays, await, and more. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory because winning season begins today. Only at MyBookie. And again, promo code VOW to double your first deposit. Put a hundred bucks and you get an extra hundred dollars to play with. You can't beat that. No, it's a great deal. Here's a hundred free dollars to bet on the playoffs. NHL, NBA, MLB playoffs coming soon. NFL on the horizon. Rich in the gambling world. We call that a free roll. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and this is a great, I mean, all joking aside, like this is, if you were going to be getting into sports betting and I've kind of dabbled a little bit already, there is, I mean, you will never have a sports. You could lose in a baseball game in the afternoon, bet an NBA playoff game later that afternoon, and then bet an NHL playoff game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, when else do you have this many things to bet on at one time? In a couple of weeks, all four major sports will be running <laughs> at the same ridiculous. time. Yeah, it's never, fantastic. Ever, yeah. You can, you, can buy, win, you can lose all your money and win it back in the same day. Just betting on sports. And apparently, my bookie, too, the cross-sport wagers and parlays, that sounds right up my alley, for sure. Yes. Because, yeah. So, there you go. Uh, Mybookie.com. Promo code. Or mybookieag. Uh, promo code VOW. Double your first deposit. All right. New Japan Pro Wrestling. The show's flying by. 
It is. We did two hours already. I know. I can't that? believe it. Yeah, we were trying to get in and out of here maybe in two hours, but we're already there. Um, King of Pro Wrestling tournament. I can hear in your voice you don't want to talk about <laughs> I don't want to talk about any New Japan right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, this Jingu, they, they, they're on a tight leash here. I'm telling them. Call the Bagman. Yeah. Tell, tell Kidani. We're on. I'm sick of wasting my time with these shows. You're, you're down on the New I'm Japan. I'm down on the New Japan. I'm not loving it. You're down on the New Japan. Um, What's there to be up on? Look, it's not a great show. <laughs> it stinks. Um, They've lost their mind. Their production's bad, like too. All right, look. I'm not going to go as far as say it stinks. I think it's a – look, there's some stuff on this lineup. You know, Shingo versus Minoru Suzuki can be very good. Um, the tag title feud, eh, your mileage may vary. Um, forget it. We'll, we'll get to the king of pro wrestling stuff. Because, I mean, I don't know. Hiromu versus Taiji Ishimori. I mean, it's a Hiromu title match. Second from the top. That should be all right. And then Evil and Naito, which, I mean, I'll give it a chance. But um, uh, Master Watu Kanemura. Which... <laughs> oh, they're on a tight leash. You're right. There are I things. Mean... <laughs> they got that shingle of Minoru Suzuki better fucking rule. All right? That Hiromu and Taiji Ishimori better be good. That's all I'm saying. They're doing the best they can with the hand they're dealt. Are they? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I see some effort. Be- Look, the King of Pro Wrestling thing, it's at least something different, and it's some effort. And that's what we asked for, Rich. Mm-hmm. We that, That's all we asked for. I didn't ask for I didn't ask um, for that main event, Joe. <laughs> I did not ask for that main event. Uh, no, listen, I didn't ask for Evil Naito either. I mean, I didn't ask for Evil. Okay, no one asked for that. Um, Let's do the cork and stuff first. Yeah, let's talk about it. So... so I don't. I only watched the King Death- of Pro Wrestling stuff. Did you watch all the other? I watched the entire. Okay, so I watched the entire first Corican show. The twenty sixth, I believe. Yeah, because today they had a show as well. Yeah. The twenty seventh. I didn't see any of the twenty seventh, so I can't speak on that. I didn't either. I haven't watched that yet, and I haven't even seen the main event of the twenty sixth. But there's really nothing to talk about other than the King of Pro Wrestling stuff, anyway. So, um, we had Desperado and Kojima. Which I thought was a really enjoyable match. Um, Despy wins it by DQ because Kojima got annoyed at the little shit and he hit him with the Western Lariat anyway, which was actually a pretty clever finish. I love I like that finish a lot. I mean, I I'd say the match itself I, I really enjoyed. Easily my favorite of the four matches, and I love the idea that Desperado just baited this guy, baited this guy, baited this guy, and Satoshi Kojima, which makes sense for the character and and the human Satoshi Kojima as well, just said. You know what? Fuck this dude. Takes his head off with a clothesline, then walks out of the ring. Goes, I don't need your dopey title anyway. Then probably light up a cigarette and walked out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no. He looked at that dumb finish. trophy and said, I don't. Uh, whatever. I just want to take this asshole's head off. It's fine. And I was a little surprised. I mean, because Despy, I have to be careful because I had, I had the El Desperado stands all over. Oh, me. you got yeah. Oh yeah, you got in trouble, sir. Because you, I mean, you, you and you were always ragging on El Desperado too. I mean, anybody that listens to the show knows that you just fucking hate that guy. So I, you know, yeah. I mean, seriously, you've only like, talked up I his praise. Him. You've only praised him for nine straight years on the show. But I love Despy, but people took offense to the fact that I called him a mid-level junior. That's exactly, <laughs> That's what, exactly he what he is. And I, but I'm a big fan of him. But I'm also a huge fan of Kojima. He's like my favorite wrestler. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I was a little disappointed that he lost. That's all. 
And then I, it's not a big deal because it's a stupid match for a stupid title. But I was a little surprised that Despy won, even by DQ. Um, and I was a little disappointed that Kojima didn't win. I wish they would do a little more with him while he while they still can, but they're not going to because he still can go. But the, the El Desperado stands, and I can't believe I'm even saying that phrase. Like, why on earth would there be El Desperado stands? But there are. Um, came at me hard saying that he was not, in fact, a mid-level junior. Yeah, it was an, I think it, it was, was, it, was it described as an atrocity that you called him in the mid-level junior. It was an atrocity that I called him a <laughs> mid-level junior. I was getting quote tweeted. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a multiple-time junior heavyweight champion. He's won Super J Cups. You uh, know what I mean? Like, excuse yeah. me, sir. Those are all incorrect facts. Oh, hmm. I will give you El Desperado's resume, and you tell me whether or not this qualifies <laughs> as a mid-level junior, meaning not a top-level junior. Oh, a few best of the super and, juniors. I think a J-Cup and, not and a, six and not or a seven. Jabroni. Yeah, six or seven junior this, title. Wrong. Oh. Wrong again. Hmm. This man has zero IWGP junior championships. This man has zero tournament wins any tournament even the jacob jacob hmm. best of the super junior super junior tag oh, tournament. I, was about to, I was about to scoop you with the super junior tag league he doesn't even have one of those this man has never won a tournament in hmm. new japan maybe he'll win king of pro wrestling who knows but to this point he has never won a tournament in new japan this man has one iwgp junior tag team title reign in his life this man perpetually annually goes like five and four in the best of the super juniors so what is the issue with calling him a mid-level junior in fact i've almost talked myself into the fact that he's a lower tier (laughs) i was gonna say i think i think my result is that he's lower than a mid-level junior but and i like him but you have to be honest about where people are slotted okay He's a middle junior, which means in this company, he's really a lower guy in the overall scheme of things. Because if you're a middle junior, you are, you're a lower middle guy on the overall ladder because the juniors are lower than the heavyweights. But, I mean, you know, he's not a top-level junior. He hasn't had comparatively to the top-level guys. He's had very few title matches. Um, so, I don't know. They got really mad at me for saying that. But – um. They were just coming out of the woodwork, Rich. That was a weird hour on Twitter. Yeah, well, you, you must have gotten made the rounds on a group chat, a little group DM. Rich, so. no doubt about it. What happened was the tweet ended up in a group chat somewhere, and then they all came out of the woodwork. But you would have thought that I, like, said Sasha Banks was ugly or something. You would have thought that I, like, picked on Tetsuya Naito. You would have thought... Who else has uh, a bevy of yeah, you would, yeah, it's like you were saying, I, I hope Hiromu breaks his neck at, at, at Jingu. And people are like, oh, how dare you? That's, that's yeah, vile. Yeah. Like, you saying that he's a mid-level junior was an atrocity. It was vile. It was disgusting. It's like, whoa. Yes. Like, that was the level of vitriol I was getting. And like what I said was so out of line. You're like, oh, could you believe he called him a mid-level junior? <laughs> like, what's, what's this guy watching? I'm like, I don't know the same fucking match you are that he never wins, maybe? I don't know. Guy's a mid-level junior. And I was a little surprised, not shocked, not stunned, that a mid-level junior on his level beat Kojima. That's all. And it was by disqualification, to be fair. Here's all you need to know. Here's here's the proof he's just a mid-level junior. They didn't let him pin 
Kojima, who's a guy who's not pushed. Right, yeah, Kojima lost because he just got sick of toying with the guy, got sick of this little shit doing stuff to him, so he just decided, fuck it, I'm going to take his hat off and leave. He stood yeah, tall. He walked were... out of the ring standing tall, Desperado, on the mat, yeah, crumbled in were... a heap. <laughs> right, because people were acting like it was like, uh, like it was a no-brainer that Desperado was going to beat this guy because he's just so much of a bigger... Well, they didn't even let him pin the guy. Like, he, he got a cheap win. So, I don't know. Kojima loses by DQ. I agree it was my favorite match. I'm going to roll the dice and say that it was probably better than the Okada handicap match that I haven't seen yet. Oh, my God. So, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. That it was the best yes, Joe. Game. Believe it or not, it was indeed better than the uh, the Gato Jado <laughs> Yujiro Takashi versus Okada match. So I was Yano hoping you would saw that. You'd be so much more down on New Japan if you watched that match. No, Despi Kojima was a good match, and I did think that the finish was clever. That's the other thing. Like, these 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 dorks thought I was mad about the finish. I'm not mad about the finish. I was just like, I'm a Kojima fan. I was just like, you know, it would have been nice if my guy got through. Um, but, yeah, it was a really good match. So, Yano and Bushi was the silliness that we expected, right? It was yeah, perfectly fine. In and out in four minutes. No issues with me. Kept very short. It's whatever. I don't even have anything to say about it. And uh, Yano advances. Then we had Sonata uh, versus Show in the submission match because Show wanted a submission match. <laughs> Sonata's like, eh, that's fine, whatever. And Sonata is very dumb and doesn't understand what was going on, so he just said, yes, we'll have a submission match. So they didn't even put it up to a vote. Um, you hated this. I kind of liked it. So what did you not like? I just it? thought it was boring. I don't, I'm not into Sonata at all anymore. I just I, I yeah. thought it was a lot. Of, the, the stuff that I like with Show. And, and Show can go on the ground, and, I, I, and, and I'm not saying that he needs to just always be, you know, one way, and he needs to only work one style. But the stuff that I've really liked from Show over the last few months has been high impact stuff, stuff with Ishi, stuff with Godos, you know, st- stuff like that. Even if it's tag matches, you know, stuff that's got a little bit of a quicker pace. This was just, and I get it; it's a submission match. I understand what the point of the match was. I, it, it's one of the things that you always say. I can understand the story and the structure of a match, but still think it was boring and still hate it. And that's how I was. At the end of the day, I get what the point was. I understand the point, and they did the point pretty well. I just didn't really want to watch it. I was just kind of bored of it, and especially when it goes 19 minutes. And it, it, to me, it just felt like a lot of just guys rolling on the ground and Sonata. Just none of his offense excites me in any way, shape, or form. I'm just I, I'm, I'm very down on Sonata. He just has not risen the way I thought he would years ago. He's just he's just there. He's just a lump to me. So that's that's where I was a little down on it. So I thought it was a really cool, well-worked match. I liked it. Um, so I don't know. You're wrong, sir. We'll, yeah, we'll fight just, about we'll, it. We'll fight. <laughs> everybody everybody always um, wants us to fight, and this will be the moment, Joe, when I fight. I don't really care. Yeah, it's fine. Last thing, like, yeah, it's like, all right, you didn't like the match. Like, I'm not. Like, what are we going to do for 20 minutes? Like, I'm going to tell you why I didn't like the match, and you're for 20 minutes later going to tell me why you liked it? Who cares? Like, we clearly had well, I mean, you just did it. You just did, and it's like, right. like, I don't feel compelled to try to convince you that it was good. And I don't think you feel compelled to try to convince me that it was bad. I don't, you know, I don't know where we're supposed to go with this. I don't know. I liked it. You didn't like it, Rich. Tell me all about oh. Kazuchika Okada oh. defeating yes. Gato, Jado, and Yujiro. Oh. Do I have to uh, immediately when we're done with this go watch this match? Oh, Tell me my all. God, about it. yeah, you almost should. You almost. Should. I, I want you to feel the misery that we all felt. Um, okay, so it was, it was utterly fucking terrible. It was the far and away the worst New Japan main event I've maybe ever seen i mean it was that bad it was Wait that poorly Hold worked on. say that again it may have been the worst new japan main event i've ever seen wow 
I mean, look I at the map. Wow. Look at it. <laughs> like, I, I don't say wow because on paper I can buy it. Because Gato, Jado, Yujiro Takahashi versus Okada for 15 minutes and 26 seconds. Okada versus maybe the two worst wrestlers on the roster and a guy who just makes no effort to be good anymore. Right? Yes. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. With, with Jado Heat segments in there as well. Wow. Wearing his skeleton so were... gear. <laughs> so they were putting the boots to Okada at yes. some point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Wow. And, and made worse by the production at this, because New Japan is trying out their, okay, the fans can't yell, the fans can't boo, so now there's an app where you can, which I joked about a few weeks ago, and Harold must have heard me, because, yeah, it's not a bad idea, where I said they should just have a dial, and, the, you know, when, when they like what they see, they'll, they'll point it to the yay, and if they don't like what they see, they'll, they'll, they'll point it to the boo. Well, he did that, so they have an app where they can go boo, yay, they hit it, and if there's enough people booing, they'll, they'll play a noise that, that, that boos, and if there's enough people liking it, they'll play a noise that, that, that says yay, and they built up, and, and I think what they did is similar to what WWE's been doing in the Thunderdome, is that, you know, little by little, it gets louder, till the main event when it gets really loud. Well, this main event, it was very loud. The problem was it sounded like a thousand people turned on a blow dryer. So you just hear yeah. this inaudible, like, <laughs> like that's supposed to be booing, I guess. Well, the piped in noise was horrendous. It was all so night. bad. I've heard it that was... the next day it was a lot better that they realized that maybe production wise, what a disaster it was on 26. Well, so if that. you think, I'm telling you, if you think the production was bad on any of the other three matches, Wait until you get to this match. Go, you have to well, watch well, this match. Well, the thing is, it's, can we even call it piped in? Because aren't the fans controlling it? I guess, yeah. But, but it's like, I'm going to watch the other show tonight. To, you know, and, and people do say it was it was improved. But I don't know. I can't. These promotions are just trying anything. I kind of, I understand. Oh, no, it's, a, it's not a bad idea. I think the, 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 the principal idea is fine. The production of it needs a lot of work. Which is weird because New Japan, you always feel like they they something has happened. Their brains have been broken these last four months. Like they used to just be like right on the ball with all this production stuff. That's what's got me probably most down with them right now, or most down on them right now, is that like they didn't know how to get anything going once it was empty arena. They had no fucking clue how to light it, how to make it look. It looked like shit. Now they get this, and like you would think that they would test it and go, okay, this is good, this is gonna work. And it sounds like it just sounds garbage. It sounds awful. Like, wait till you get to this yeah. main event. It was so loud and, and so distracting because you got Jado kicking about, you know, once every 15 seconds, you know, as slow as humanly possible while just the sound of a vacuum cleaner is blowing through your ear. And you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? Why was it? Hold on, though. Why was it Jado put in that position and not one of the other two Well, guys it was mostly, still- it was mostly, okay, so it was mostly Jado and Yudro. But, like, in my mind, I just remember the Jado Heat segments. The Jado Heat was probably, like, four seconds. You have a match here with four people. It's the perfect opportunity for Jado to do nothing. Yes. He should have held a cane and stood on the outside. Or just took a bump and laid there. Right. Right. So it's like um, he shouldn't have really been involved at all, honestly, because you could have gotten away with it because you've got two healthy guys who can move move still. What I would have had it happen is the bell rings. Jado tries to hit him with the cane. Okada hits him with a rainmaker and he just rolls out of the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And then he just sells on the floor. Yeah, he's for a done. While. And then he's done. And then Gato and Yudro, and that's fine. But no, no, they, no, no. They decided that Jado had to be a part of this match to put the boots. Told Kaz Okada, it was fucking terrible. It sounds as bad as you're describing it's it. So, bad. so and um, and add that bad match with the sound of a vacuum cleaner in your ear and a thousand blow dryers. It's awful, 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 awful. So, 
and we're and and I mean, I'm sure we're still getting like quarter effort Okada out there. Too. Oh yeah, no, he wasn't. Yeah, we got to get this guy away from Yujiro. I, I can't have this guy because he's gonna forget how to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's too comfortable. It's too Yujiro comfortable. We might never be able to pull him out of it. That's right. He might just get caught in the Yujiro loop for the rest of his uh, for the rest of his career. This might sink him. Um, well, I mean, he's probably done with Yujiro now because that kind of feels like the end of that little feud, doesn't it? Because he's going to win this match at, at Jingu and then have gimmick matches for this King of Pro Wrestling title for the rest of the year. So he's probably done with Yujiro. I would hope. God, I would hope. Watch them come out in his first defense. He's going to win and Yujiro is going to come down the aisle and, ch- and challenge him. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, who else is there? But, but, God, that music. Right, so I'm, I'm going to hear that goddamn music and just throw my fucking phone through the TV over here. Let's look at Jingu. Okay. So I don't think this card's as bad as you say it No, is. okay. No, I like the card. I'm just saying they – no. Don't don't misconstrue. What I'm saying is this is their opportunity to get me back. Okay. Because I had to watch that bullshit, the King of Pro Wrestling stuff, which I knew was going to suck, and it sucked. Um, This is their time to hook me. So that, I'm giving them the show. This is a good show with some good matches, but if this show stinks – and the matches that I'm looking forward to don't deliver. I were to a W podcast then, so they're outside. Are the fans allowed to do anything? But I don't know. I don't outside? know. Maybe somebody in the chat room would know. I I don't know honestly. So in some of these other promotions, the fans just don't care, and they're like cheering anyway. I wish the New Japan fans weren't so polite, and they just would cheer. Um, but this is outside, open air. So maybe the rules are different. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. But um, here we are on paper. Master. Now, here's the thing about this card. No, like, eight-man tags or any bullshit like that. Every match here is a singles match or a match with some stakes. So we have Master Wato versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Look, they've built to this, right? These guys have been kind of at each other's throats in the tags. And they've they've built to this, so Watto's going to win, correct? Uh, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would really hope so. I hope Yoshinobu Kanemaru, you know, fucking DDTs him and pins him. To be honest with you, but I have no use for Watto. But but I mean, because the thing is, I don't I don't think there's any money in Watto whatsoever. So it's like I don't think there's any point in investing in him. But yes, he's the young guy, and Kanemaru's the veteran. And, and he's going to win the match. But Kanemura is one of my favorites. So, um, uh, you know, do I want to see that fucking DDT off the second turnbuckle? Yeah, I do. Am I going to be rooting for that? Yeah. Does that make me soulless? Maybe. But, uh, yeah, Wato should win. So then we have Shingo defending the Never title against Minoru Suzuki, which could be awesome. I mean, to my knowledge, they've never wrestled each other before. I don't know when they would have. So I look at a match like that. Yeah, let, let, me ch- let me check that real quick to make sure it's see if they've how many times they've even been in the ring together. That's um, what I mean. I don't even think they've been in the ring together all that much, you know. So, uh, very unique match. Shingo's having an excellent title reign as we kind of figured he would, and he's kind of been for me at least. He's been the guy saving some of these New Japan shows. I haven't liked their last three major shows, so uh, this show I think has a chance to be good, and I think this is. Per, for me, my most anticipated match. Yeah, so there's a bunch of six-mans, and as far as I can tell, World Tag League uh, last year 
was one, and then never open weight six man. But other than that, it's just like a innocuous, you know, Lij Suzuki gun tag matches was about it. So yeah, this is a real cool opportunity to see these guys. Yeah, so that could be awesome. And then you know another tag title match. I'm getting kind of tired of these two teams facing each other. Um, so I don't know, but I understand that there's not a lot of other directions to go. So I'm not going to give the company a hard time. Uh, they love to do these long series of matches anyway. And what else are you going to do with these guys unless you go through with the Tanahashi-Ibushi split, which looked like a lock, and then they kind of pumped the brakes on it a little. So I don't know what's going to happen with those two guys. But, you know, maybe you get Saber and Taichi with a successful title defense, and then Tanahashi and Ibushi do split, and we get a singles feud out of that. I would maybe hope so. I would, yeah, if you're not going to have them win the titles, like... Because what they're doing right now seems like an utter waste of Tanahashi and Kotobushi. Like, I, I just don't get what we're doing. So I, I, I hope that they break up. Or, God, I just hope they just win these titles. And I, but I almost would rather just they break up. I think they're more valuable assets as single stars right now, given what's going on in New Japan and given the need for, you know, new, new guys if you're not going to be able to bring people in or you're not going to be able to bring, you know, a Jay White back and that sort of stuff. Is that you're, I think you're going to need those guys in, in, in big singles roles. So, um, I mean, ideally at the beginning of the year, I like them as a tag team, but now I think that they, they serve a more important purpose on the show. I think so. COVID kind of fucked it all up. Is yeah, 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 for sure. Like, uh, now you have somebody in Kotobushi that, like, Dude, I, 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 he's a guy that I would definitely be using better than they're using right now. Put him in singles feuds. Put him in singles matches. Put him in, in title matches. Do that sort of stuff. Because right now he's just kind of floundering in the tag division. And I get it because the idea was that, oh, we got a, a, an embarrassment of riches. We'll have Tanahashi and Kotobushi be the tag team champions. And we have a great tag team as well. But, yeah, obviously. But now you don't have that embarrassment. Exactly. Right, right, right. And, right. and not only that, you don't have the Intercontinental or U.S. title around either. So, you know with one of them tied up on Moxley and the other tied up in the double title. So it would be nice to get those two back in a singles mix with the, with the roster. So shorthanded, but I don't know. Uh, then we got the King of the, okay. You have on the notes, it says fatal four way. for the King of <laughs> So I did, a, I did a row copy and paste. I don't believe that's how they're uh, building it. I got, I hope that's not how they're building it or else I'm really worried about new Japan, <laughs> but let me, let me double check just to make sure. But that, that I did a I did a copy and paste from a website that probably primarily covers uh, old wrestling and entertainment. So yeah, so that a four way is, is a fatal four way. So and that's why it bothers me. It's not there's only one company in the world where it's a fatal four way. Stop saying fatal four way. If it's not a WWE four way match, it's not a fatal four way. God, that bothers me. It bothers me so much. And I know it's irrational. I don't even think it's irrational. No, no, scratch that. It's not irrational. <laughs> that is what one company calls the match. Right. It's not a fatal four-way. They're not triple threat matches. Okay? Only in that company. It's a fucking four-way match. It bothers me that their vernacular has taken over a certain age of fan who only know that company. And that they, then they use the universe talk yeah. when they talk about other companies. So I will say New, Japan, to- New Japan's website just says four-way. Uh, and the preview on VoiceWrestling.com done by John Carroll uh, and Jeff Andrews just says four-way as well. So we are correct. New Japan is correct. These dorks that I copy and pasted from were not correct. So, Yeah, incorrect. And if it did say fatal four-way, I'm going to tell you right now. Harold and the Bagman would have gotten a strongly worded email from me because <laughs> I, 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 I don't like that. It's not a fatal four-way. That's the incorrect terminology. And that really does upset me. And I hate it even more. Like, forget these dopey websites 
with these articles written by 22-year-olds. Okay, they don't know what they're doing. They're lost. That's one thing. But what I really hate is when other wrestling promotions call them fatal four-ways. Indie promotions or Impact does that shit all the time where they, they use WWE words. And it makes you look so second-rate when you do shit like that. Have your own things. If you want to give it another gimmicky name, if you want to call it a fucking dick slapper four-way yeah, match, have it be I don't your own care. thing. Yeah, yeah, be your own thing. Don't just use universe speak for sure. Yes, do not do that. It's so second rate. So when I saw this on the run sheet, I was so angry, and I wanted to make sure that New Japan was not calling it a fatal four-way. That really would have upset. Yeah, they are not. New Japan's website is not, and our preview from John and Jeff also not calling it a four-way. So or a fatal four-way, just calling okay. it a four-way. So we're it's just a four-way. Deep breath. Just a deep breath. Sorry. So then we've got Hiromu versus Taiji Ishimori, which I think you know will probably be a great match. I'd be surprised if it isn't. Taiji comes in with that low effort. If he comes in with that low effort, man, I'm going to be really mad at him. Yeah, but he doesn't come in with the low effort in in important matches. Yeah, yeah, and Hiromu will, no matter what, Hiromu will put 150% effort into this, so... Dude, it's fucking Hiromu. Yeah, it's a Hiromu title match. It's a semi-main event. He's, He's going fucking balls to the wall no matter what, so... The floor... Is four stars. Yes. If it's any yep. lower than four stars, I think it's a massive disappointment. If it's any lower than four stars, we're a two, two AW podcast moving forward. So, and Rich is really threatening with this two AW. <laughs> don't make threats you can't keep. I know. I really Rich, don't want to be a two AW podcast. Yeah, because you I would. You would be like, well, we're a two AW podcast, and I'd be like, oh man, because like, you would spite me I by doing leave. it. You would own it and say, oh, well, that's what we are now, Rich. Like you said it, so. I will lead off with the active advance pro wrestling. Right. I will I will lead off with it, Rich. Talk I got just no problem tap with that. out, some JTO, yeah. Well, I'm not going that far. But <laughs> I'm not you can't get me to do like fucking just tap out or or you can't get me to do heat up. I mean that's going too far. But the two AW, okay, don't threaten things that I will go through with because listen, I reviewed that Ayato Yoshida title win over Yuji Okabayashi behind the paywall as well. $10 tier written reviews. Excellent match. Did you see that? Uh, I did not. No, no. But I, I read your review, and yeah, it looked like something I would definitely enjoy. If you want to watch some pro wrestling for pleasure, which you and I don't get to do very often. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. I, you should go watch that match. I think you'd really enjoy that match. I know your taste. Um, especially uh, by COVID-era standards. Uh, excellent match. And then, of course, Evil defending against Tetsuya Naito. Look, if I have my way... And that's obviously not going to happen. When does my way ever happen? I mean, Breezango are now the NXT tag team champions. <laughs> so we all know that my way never happens. Okay. And they're not called Breezango, which is the most uh, ridiculous thing. That... Didn't we call it last week, though, that they're going to win this triple threat and then they're going to win the tag team yeah. titles? Oh, because yeah, I cannot I cannot have nice things. Yeah. I just cannot have, have nice an incredible things. division with like six really good teams. And yeah, Breezango obviously has to have the titles. So. The good news is they appear to be heading into a feud with Joaquin Wilde and, and uh, Mendoza. And I've been begging for a Mendoza push for years, Rich. So I think that Wilde and Mendoza are going to beat them for the titles pretty quickly. So and you I think transitional that, champs? Yes, I think okay. this was just the way to – because having Wilde and Mendoza face Imperium would have been weird. So you get them off Imperium, and then you get the titles to Wilde and Mendoza, and then – Escobar's cartel has all the gold, you yeah, see? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, it, And that's cool. And he had a really – he had a cool match this week against um, Isaiah Swerve Scott. 
Um, he did the gimmick where he had a mask under the ring, but it was a loaded mask. He has like a so he puts the. Mask I saw on that. I lo- I love a loaded mask. That's great old school shit. That I feel like that's Gabe, right? I don't want to say that. <sighs> I don't know, but um, you know, he headbutt him with the loaded mask and and put him away, and none of the announcers noticed that he had a loaded mask on. Like he puts. <laughs> He put the mask on and like tapped his forehead, basically telling the audience, "This is but a I like loaded that. mask." No, I actually I like that. I don't want the announcers to go, "Oh my god, is that a loaded mask?" Like I lo- I I like the subtlety of it. See, I think the announcers did a poor job getting the story mm, over. I okay. think that's I don't have to maybe rewatch it then and see. You got three people in the booth. One of them has to say, "I'm not so sure about that mask, guys." I see. Even I see like, what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I see. Like you know, gorilla. You need the gorilla monsoon who's just like, no, that's got. And then Jesse being like, ah, oh, something's going on there, gorilla. Like that doesn't seem yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. That that's fair. I get that. Something. You know. And and you had Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett was in the booth. That was me imitating Wade Barrett saying his own name. It was really bad. Yeah, it was not great. But you so, Wade, yeah, put that one away. Well, you have to just not say the T's if you're doing a British accent. You know, they just they don't say the T. Wade Barrett. Like that, you know, so he was in the booth. He'll be in there for Super Tuesday. You know, he could have said something. Uh, what's her name was in there? Beth Phoenix and not face fuck, but the other guy, uh, Vic, Vic Joseph, Joseph. Right? Vic Joseph. Yeah. So none of them brought it up. I think it would help if you had one of the if you had a heel in the booth. Or they don't really do that anymore, though. They don't have the heel in the booth. You know, you need the Taz in there. Um. What were we talking about? Oh, Evil and Tetsuya Naito. So, look, if it were my way, Naito would just give this guy a destino in like four minutes and just end <laughs> this shit. But we all know that's not going to happen. So, got to build to the group you know, wire spot. Get... So, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be waiting around for Dick Togo to hop on the apron with the fucking Garot wire, and I don't know. I'm not optimistic. So, what I'm gonna do is set my bar really low and hope that they exceed it. How about that? That's going to be my approach. That's, you know what? I'm going to go in there, too. I'm going to go with floor three stars, and God, I wish and I hope that it'll be more. But Three stars? What an optimistic boy you Yeah, are. you're right. That's <laughs> pretty optimistic for Jeez. I know Naito could do that. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if the King of Darkness can can get that done. But uh, I would definitely recommend Voice of Wrestling to come and check out uh, our preview of uh, the, the Jingo show. I think uh, John Carroll has a really uh, – I, I don't want to spoil it. VoiceWrestling.com, Summer Struggle in Jingu. Just plug Preview. it. That's all you need to do. That's it. Yeah, go go read it. You, you'll see, you'll read see it. the journey. You, you'll go on a journey. And go on Make that journey. Make them read it. Yeah, so. Uh, God, I, I mean, like. God, I hope. Naito has to win this, right? Please. Um, Please. <laughs> I, I don't know. What's I don't happen. know if I can do evil anymore. <laughs> I don't, I like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's, um. I kind of get the sense that maybe Naito's arc is over, right? I mean, so maybe Evil does win. Maybe we're moving on to, you know, Evil's arc or Hiromu's arc. Maybe the Naito story was winning the double title at Wrestle Kingdom, and now he's just, you know, uh, a player in Evil and Hiromu's story. Yeah. Is that possible? Uh, I guess. <laughs> It's not even about I, Naito. I, mean, I just don't want Evil to have the time. I don't honestly. I don't give a shit who wins. I just. What is it? I mean, he's thirty-seven years old, yeah, right, or something I know, like that. I know. I hate to do he's like oh, let's, I, I don't know. His knees are ravaged. He, his neck. He, you know, he's taking a million bumps on that neck. They told 
the story. They drew two domes with it. It was a long-term story that they told that ultimately you have to chalk up as being successful. Drew a ton of money. Maybe that's his arc. And maybe it's over. And maybe the whole idea all along was now we're entering evil's arc. And now we see where this goes over the next five five years. Um, Five years? You're going to be five years of evil? (laughs) Well, how long was Okada's story? Uh, what it was 2012 to, yeah, 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 around there. Six, seven, seven years, eight years. How long was Naito's story? When did he start going fucking Ingabanobile? Like 2000 fucking 15 or something? Yeah, I think 15, yeah, yeah. So like five years? That's what New Japan does. They tell these long-term stories. Yeah. So, I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't trolling you when I said, Maybe the next five years is all about evil. It could be. Maybe they think this is the next guy to tell a long-term story with. And where ultimately, the it's it's when, you know, like maybe the idea is Naito can't stop him because Naito is old and broken down or whatever their version of the story is. And it's Hiromu ultimately has to stop him. And that moment of Hiromu screaming out in agony that I kind of mocked and laughed mm-hmm. at ends up being the big callback of five years from now, he finally puts a stop to evil oh and ascends, you know, his guy that he was a young lion with and the guy that betrayed him and his mentor Naito and Naito can't do it anymore. And he's moved on to the, you know, uh, uh, the you're definitely selling it. We're, 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 we're becoming a two AW podcast if that's the case. So, I'm just saying. That I know. Could, I know. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm I know. not trying to troll you. I'm well, just honestly, saying that like, this could be not, not to like. Honestly, I would. I, I don't want to say I would rather that, but that like that would make more sense to me because people, you know, and, and that's a common you know thing we hear is like, oh, he's just going to lose his night right away, and it's like, but they don't do that though. They don't usually do that. That's why I was so down on Evil winning the title because everyone's like, "Oh, don't worry, there's no fans. It doesn't matter." And oh, he's just going to lose it to Naito in in a weekend or in a month anyway or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but they don't tell that story very often. And that's why I don't want to go with Evil because I don't think he's very good and I don't think it's going to be very good. And I don't think that story's going to be pretty good. I don't buy into the fact that a it doesn't matter and that b it, even if it does matter, he's just going to lose it anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I I, I, I don't just, think we're free of evil at the time. Right, right. Way. I don't think he loses here and then just rolls out of the ring and then he's back to mid cards. Like that's not happening. The idea that this was a COVID band aid was never true, and it just I I you know it's like there's still people who think that, and that's not the case. Uh, this was a planned thing for evil to eventually ascend to this point. Um, so I mean, this could be the the the, the new arc, the big overriding arc in the company could be this you know and it's like we had okadas we had naitos which kind of overlapped with the back end of okadas and then stuff that happens in between like omega was just an okada side story you know what i mean like tana and like uh aj styles and these were just like side stories for okada's arc you know and 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 naito they may think that it, this may have been always the plan all along. This, this is where the Naito arc ends. And that doesn't mean he never wins the title again or, or you know enters Kojima territory immediately. But this could be the start of Evil and Hiromu being the two fucking dudes in this company for the next half decade and beyond. I don't know where Jay White fits into that. 
because he's like 26 years old and firmly established as a star. Um, But maybe they just see a danger in him leaving at some point because he's a a foreigner and because they know he's going to have interest forever from your WWEs and your AEWs. So I don't know. That could be – can't you easily see that being the case here? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, now that we're – we've kind of come out of our trees and we're done complaining, it's like – it's like the grieving process, right? Yeah. Like accept it. I, acceptance I, – <laughs> I, I've hit the acceptance of evil. Like it is what it is. I hate it. It sucks, at least this version of evil. I'm never going to like it. It's not for me, but I'm now in the acceptance stage of it. So now I'm a little more clear-headed. I mean this, this could just be the next half decade of what this company is. And uh, I said it for like seven or eight years enjoy this new Japan run. You never know when it ends because these runs never last forever. And I'm not writing the epitaph. I'm not like writing the fucking obituary of new Japan. Okay. But I think we've clearly changed eras. I think we've clearly changed eras and it doesn't mean they can't be successful because they probably will be. But I think that, well, the quote-unquote Okada era, which included the Naito arc, 2012 to 2020, is done. I think we're moving to something else now. And I don't think that's because of COVID. I think we were getting this either way. And I think it's just going to – it's going to feel like a different company. Rich, eight years is a long time. Yeah. And really – Oh, for sure. You can, and really, I don't even think it was – you could argue about the start point. I believe it was 2011 with the long Tanahashi run because I think that long Tanahashi run – was set up for Okada to stop. And then, yeah, you've always said, you know, Tanahashi beats Kojima, and that's when it kind of starts right there. Some people say Okada beats that, Tanahashi. That's, that's where it starts. Point. Yeah, there, there's different starting points. The start point of this era, to me, is Tanahashi over Kojima. The start point of the business in, is, is Okada, Tanahashi, in the beginning. But the start of the era, to me, was the, the Tanahashi run the year before. I think that's all part of that era. And from a storytelling perspective. So I think this is the change of the era. And I think we're just into um, something completely different. I don't think Okada, I think Okada's biggest runs are firmly behind him. Doesn't mean he'll never win it again. I think he will. He might have a couple more in him. But his big, you know, the run that everyone will remember forever, that's over. He had that. It's done. It's the rearview mirror. He's wrong side of 30. He's starting to break down as well. His company is being moved into these younger hands. Time will tell if they've picked the right ones. If Jay White and Evil and Hiromu, Will Will Ospreay, whoever you want to throw in there, I think all four of those are fair. I don't think Shingo ever gets there as much as I want him to. He's past the age of 30 and he's from Dragon Gate. But I think those four are fair. I might be forgetting one or two. But you get the idea. Yeah. Those sure. are the primary ones. Especially Jay White, Evil, and Hiromo. So, you know, it's it's I think we're entering their arcs now. And I think the Okadas and the Naitos enter the stage that Tanahashi has been in for Okada. You know, and Tanahashi is soon to be entering the you know, Nakanishi land. You know, he's fucking forty four, forty three, whatever. 
42, whatever he is. So I don't know. Now that I'm in the acceptance phase of, of my grieving process, I think that's what New Japan is. And, and that arrow <laughs> look, look, that arrow wasn't going to last forever, and it was great. But when All Japan was hot, it didn't last forever. When Noah was hot, it didn't last forever. When Ring of Honor was hot, it didn't last forever. You know, these things never do. And that's what I always tried to tell people the first six, seven years of this podcast. It's like we got accused of being New Japan payroll and homers and all this. I have no allegiance to New Japan. They just happened to be great while we were doing the show. Paid us a dime. It's not even about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, we, we, we will, if they suck for a year, we'll fucking, we'll watch whatever, you know? It's not even about the, the it's the they pay you meme. It's it's more about if we would have been doing this show in 1991, they, people would be calling us all Japan homers. If we were doing this show in 2015, they'd be saying that I'm on the Ring of Honor, uh, twenty you know, 2005, they'd be saying I'm on the Ring of Honor payroll. If it was 1995, they'd be saying I was on the ECW payroll. Yeah. It's just... New Japan happened to be hot and we were doing this show. I I think we're entering a new era. Time will tell if I will personally enjoy it on the same level. I don't know the answer to that. Um, You know, I don't think evil is going to work this style forever. I think they're establishing this character. And we know that Gato is very deliberate when he establishes a character. How many times did Bad Luck Fale hit that Bad Luck Fall on, on Hanma? And stretcher them out when they were establishing that move. Yeah, right, right. How many times did, you know, all those G1s where, um, you know, they did the same finish over and over with either Jay White or whoever else to establish the character. This is the, this is why you need to pay attention to booking patterns. And that's what they're doing with Evil right now. They're establishing the character with repetitive match structures. And that'll probably continue at Jingu whether he wins or loses. The only question is whether Naito overcomes it or not. And I do think it's a 50-50 match. A lot of people think Naito's a lock to win. I wouldn't bet on that. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think yeah, it's a 50-50 I'm not betting that way either. Match. I mean, he could win. I, I think it's a coin flip. I really do. Because, um, I mean, fuck, at this point, you're pot committed. Just go all the way with evil. Honestly, I think if he loses here, he looks a little weak. Because he hasn't looked strong in any of his wins. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no, no, yeah. I, that, that's why when, when I've been told, oh, don't worry about evil, he's just going to lose to Naito, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't think that's what they're going to do. That's just not how they've built people. So, I mean, I'd be fine with that, but that's why I got so worried. That's why people, oh, don't worry, don't complain, don't get annoyed, it's whatever. He'll definitely, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not so sure. This might. I'm, I'm on your side. Like, I'm not quite at that acceptance yet, but I'm kind of thinking, guys... This might be the next guy. <laughs> like this might be everything might be going exactly to plan of how they want to go. You know, no, neither, neither result would shock me at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and neither result would shock me at all. I just think if Evil loses, I I don't know how that comes across. Right, right, right. Because I don't think because I don't think he's been built very strong. I think that uh, he's he would come across because because none of his wins feel legitimate yet does that make sense no yeah, yeah. so 100 i mean but that's the way new japan that's the way gato books when he's getting a, it would be very helpful to evil to just beat someone without any help from but that's they're not going to do that you know it's just they're not going to do that if jolanza was had the pencil 
That's what he would do. But everyone's going to have their own booking style. And that's just not how they do things when they're trying to establish a new character. Um, anyway, that's my take on the match. That's my take on where New Japan is going. And I think it, it, it it's... I got tired of coming on the show and just repeating the same talking points about evil. It's time to just accept what's happening and analyze what's happening mm-hmm. as opposed to complaining about. It's okay to complain. You can't, but at some point you have to just accept what's happening and analyze what's in front of you. Otherwise, people, why would they listen to us? We have to break down what we're seeing and, and analyze it at this point because it is what it is now. It's not a blip. You know, this guy, he's a guy now. So that's how I have to approach it. All right. On that horribly depressing note, you ready to uh, – we got a, about a half an hour left, Joe. I don't know about you. I think we could bounce. We could bounce? We have a half hour? We have a half hour. Let's bounce. You got that you got that is that timer working right? Yeah. Half yeah. hour? Yep. Okay. I promise. You say thirty. Yep. You want me to set it up? Uh, I want you to set it up, yeah. I got something on my end too. Okay. Are you ready to go bouncing around the indies? It was a big indie weekend, Rich. There were shows happening all over the place. Black Label Pro had two shows. Beyond Wrestling had a show. Game Changer Wrestling had two shows. And we did not see all of it. But no. we saw a decent chunk of it. So we will break down some of it. Where would you like to start, sir? Um, all right. I do want to start with this one. Uh, this is a little bit of a fun story we can talk about here. VXS No Justice No Peace. So this was a show last weekend. It was supposed to be kind of like a a work shoot show. I, that, that's like all the rage these days with Paradigm for Wrestling and and this whatever this VXS was. So this was supposed to happen last weekend. No Justice No Peace. Uh, there's a great piece uh, from Luis Perez who actually written for this site as well. But uh, this is for uh, PWPonderings.com. It's called Some Violence but Mostly Suffering: A Live Perspective from VXS No Justice No Peace. Did you read the story of what was going on with this show? I have no idea what you're talking about, so the floor is yours. Okay, so okay, so this is a, as I said, it's like a kind of a work shoot type show. So it's going to happen August 16th. They have a secret location. They don't want people to know about their location, obviously, because they're probably not supposed to be running in the state they're running in. It's New Jersey. I don't think you're supposed to be running in New Jersey or indoors or whatever. So we'll talk about another company that I think ran into that issue as well. So um, the show is supposed to happen at 3 p.m., they get an announcement that, no, nope, sorry, it's not 3 p.m. anymore. It's now going to be 6 p.m. The, the show is going to happen. Okay? People found out about this on Instagram, which is, you're, you're, you always love that, too, where, you know, Instagram and Twitter is where, you know, you communicate these things, even though you have email and all that sort of stuff. So, okay. So, a location is given to, to where the secret location is, and it's a church. So, Luis and his friends go to this church. There's no one there. There's a bunch of cars parked, but there's no one there. Hmm. Two guys walk up, and they say... Oh, yeah, they changed the location. It's not here anymore. You should get a new email with the new location. So, they eventually get this it's new like location. Wild, wild goose chase to <laughs> yes. find this fucking show. Yes. So, they get another location. At this point, I'm done, right? Can I ask you a question? Is, like, John Moxley wrestling Roman Reigns on this show? <laughs> no, no it's not. Yeah. Fighting? I mean, there's some, there's some good names on the show. I won't lie. There are some decent names. There's, like, Nick Gage was on there. Uh uh, 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 Brian Cage was on there. There, there were some decent names on the show. Dave Boy Smith Jr. I'm, was on the show. Like, there's. I'm not going across the street for Nick Gage, but I. <laughs> but I know. I, I get it. I get it. People have their own taste. I understand. Right, right. But anyway, yeah. 
So, okay. So they get a new location. They put it in the GPS. It's now in a different state. We're no longer running New Jersey anymore, Joe. What? <laughs> now, you're familiar with the, the uh, geography of that area much more than I am. So 20 minutes away, what state are you in? Because well, he, he doesn't say what state we're in, but... I mean, where where was the original city? Uh, it was some church. I don't I don't know if it actually. Yeah, I, I think I think we were going to. Hmm, I'm not sure. I'm not actually sure where this new location is either. So I mean, you it could have been Pennsylvania. I or think New York I'm York guessing or it was Pennsylvania. I'm guessing you couldn't run in New York, um, the way that they were trying to run. So I'm guessing this is in Pennsylvania. Could even be Delaware. Yeah, if, uh, you're in a certain part of the state. Well, either way, it doesn't matter, I mean, Joe. Okay, so they get the, the Luke Luke location gets into the GPS. Luis and his friends and all these people put it in the GPS. Okay, it's 20 minutes away from where they were before. Cool. 20 minutes later, they end up at the parking lot of an abandoned Chinese food buffet. The same faces what? that were there before are there again. They've all made this stupid drive. No ring in sight. No wrestlers. No banners. Nobody taking tickets. Nothing. Tony what? Deppin is there. Tony Deppin has arrived because he's on the show too. Is there a ring? There's not a ring at the second location. They get an but email. Now wrestlers are There's a few wrestlers at the second location. But right. not all the wrestlers. They get an email. There's a third location, Joe. What the fuck? <laughs> this is like one of those uh, Chikara scavenger Yeah, ones. exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. During the wrestling is, wrestling is bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so the third location, also an abandoned Chinese food buffet, which is incredible. <laughs> what? So they get there. They all follow Tony Depp in here. I don't know if Tony Depp was correct in this because what happened is, is this they get an email that says, okay, so sorry, they didn't get an email to go to this third location. Tony Depp said go to this third location because he heard that that was the new location. So they go to this. Okay. Third... So Tony Depp, who's wrestling on the show, yes. shows up at the first Chinese buffet and says, no, guys, the show is at another Chinese yeah, buffet. Correct. Correct. So follow me. Okay. So now Tony Deppin is leading these people like the Pied Piper through the streets of uh, Some uh, state, Southern yeah. Jersey. <laughs> so then they get an email that contains the location of the new the new place. Here's where our show's going to run. It's back at wow. the second location, the first Chinese food buffet. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh my god. So now they find out that the show that initially was supposed to be outside is now inside of this abandoned Chinese food buffet. Tony Deppin bounces. He's out. He says fuck this and drives home or something. So he doesn't even work the show. Yeah, he doesn't even work the show. 6pm start time. They all pile into this abandoned Chinese food buffet. The ring is not completed. The ring canvas is larger than the actual ring and there's not enough ties. So the ring ropes aren't working properly. <laughs> So it's 6 p.m. Fight TV announces that this show is no longer taking place on Sunday. It is now taking place on Monday. So now it's happening on an entirely new day. <laughs> did the show ever happen on Monday? Uh, it did happen on Monday, yes. The cops show up at some point, too. I've been given some names of people that were, were potential cop callers here as well. Because everybody, everybody loves the cop caller story. Anytime, yes. a, anytime the cops get called on a uh, an indie show, there's all the first thing is people tripping over themselves to say, "Ah, you know who did this? Yeah, it was Promoter X or Company Y or CZW did this. You know, what I mean? it's always somebody. So one of your enemies, right? Always. 
Um, so I guess the show did actually happen on Sunday. Fight, I think, had it wrong. Uh, David Boy Smith Jr. shows up to the venue. He wrestles briefly and then leaves. <laughs> I don't even know if he wrestled. I think he showed up, said, fuck this, and left. Uh, just yeah. an absolute. So nearly four hours after the original bell time, they have the show. There's no ring ropes. Everybody's replanning their matches because they have obviously thought of the match with ring ropes, but there's not ring ropes. Uh, apparently, it was not very good. I know Mike Spears on the uh, Everything Elite podcast, uh, the Patreon uh, talked about the show. He actually watched it because it is available on Fight. Just sounds like an absolute fucking disaster, but a perfect indie wrestling disaster. I don't blame the wrestlers who uh, went home. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten that ring. I never even heard of this promotion. Who's this promoter? I, I have no clue. No idea. No idea. What a disaster. I was given one name, but I, I, I cannot confirm that that name is involved in the story. But given how much of a disaster it was and the location... Uh, the rumor name I was given, it starts with T and ends with Eddie Hart, so. Oh. <laughs> that would make sense, right? Davey Boy Smith's on the show. Yeah, it's it does name. There's some big sense. names on the show of a promotion that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. And it's an absolute fucking disaster of epic proportions, I mean. So, it sounds to me like whoever was running this show probably didn't have the proper licensing or Correct. permissions, and they were kind of running from the law and trying to run... Uh, like location where they, yeah, where they couldn't be tracked down. That's what it sounds like, which is why I kept moving around. Um, I'm surprised that fans went through with this. Then again, I probably would have too because I would want to see what the end result was going to be of all of this uh, this wild goose chase. That is a wrestling story, man. That is, that is fucking wild. Here's, uh, they actually, uh, okay, so they did actually have a tweet here uh, a few days ago. It says, last Sunday we had, a comp- we had to compromise our event. While it didn't go as planned, we want to thank every single performer for working with us and creating the best possible event due to the circumstances. Thank you to the audience for bearing with us, adhering to safe standards of social distancing and mask wearing. To all those who purchased our premiere on Fight, where all proceeds were going to the Equal Justice Initiative to fight racial injustice here in the United States. Some of it was our responsibility, a lot of it was not, but it became clear to us that the man is trying to silence our vision. We promise we're going to do better, and we promise we're all going to prove the man wrong. We're still fucking going. See you October 4th. They're going to try this again, huh? Are they donating money or anything to I, an organization or anything? Huh. What a mess. <laughs> it's just a disaster, but perfectly indie wrestling. So. Yeah. What do you want to do next? Black Label Pro? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you do uh, your, little, your little Black Label Pro there? Well, Rich, you will be surprised. But the gimmick show, where the gimmick was just good wrestling matches, was actually pretty good. <laughs> weird. <laughs> I hope this trend Isn't continues. That weird? Where the wink, wink, nudge, nudge is. Let's have a good wrestling show with good wrestlers. I hope that they do that. That'd be great. That's a gimmick Very I can get much... behind, Joe. Pro wrestling shows. I like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild how just uh, booking a pro wrestling show where you tell where you're trying to put together good matches actually worked out. I was very surprised by this uh, development. But uh, it was very much a rich crate special with everything falling between about three and a quarter and three and three quarters. One of those kind of shows. Uh, I saw some people peaking some of the matches a little bit higher, even going low notebook on some of them. But everything I saw on this show was very good. Uh, I did not see the opener, which was Garini and Kevin Koo versus Alex Zane and Blake Christian. I was a little bit late, and I didn't go back to watch it. Um, but uh, everything else was solid. AJ Gray uh, defeated Eric Royal. Solid match. I'd go about three stars on it. 
uh, Warhorse against a very good professional wrestler, which is the former Dasher Hatfield for the uh, independent wrestling title. Excellent match. I mean, um, you know, I've defended Warhorse before, even though some people think the gimmick is cringe. You yeah, can yeah. go. And the, the, the former Dasher Hatfield uh, was excellent here. This was sort of a a bit of a breakout performance, which is funny to say because everyone has seen him wrestle for years, but not sort of with this new uh, Chikara free. Right, uh, right. The, the, the handcuffs yeah. are off in a, in, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great name, but. <laughs> you, should, you should try to think of another name if possible. But... You know what I'll say, though? It's memorable. You'll never forget it. I mean, it, it sticks out if there is any positive to the name. Um, and it tells you exactly what he's all about, right? No nonsense. I'm a very good professional wrestler. So I kind of get it. Like, you know, I know Iron Mike Spears fucking hates it. Like, he just cannot stop ranting about how horrible this name is. But I don't really hate it that much. I think it's, you know, I mean, you know, ultimately he'll need a new name at some point. But I get it. Uh, Anthony Henry versus Benjamin Carter. Exhibit A of why, of why I've been ranting and raving about Benjamin Carter. He was so good here selling the leg. This was a leg match where Henry was working over his leg. And Carter is just so much better at the little things than all of his contemporaries. And he's more well-rounded, and this was a perfect example. He doesn't go out. Now, he could go out there and be a flippy-do guy every night of the week and be just as good as anyone, but he doesn't do that. He varies his match structures. He plays different roles. And this is what we've been saying about him, and this was a great example of that. And uh, he was arguably one of the two or three most impressive people on this card, because uh, he went out there and sold the shit out of his leg and had an excellent match with Anthony Henry. And Benjamin Carter is a guy who, at this point, I'm comfortable saying it is a lock. You will see him at the next level. It's a lock. I mean, he's that good. Uh, he's got it all. So uh, very impressed with him here. Isaiah Velasquez versus Alex Shelley. Uh, Alex Shelley is kind of in this position similar to ACH where he's like the indie veteran. Yeah, right? yeah. He's the old school there. guy. Yeah, the old... The old grappler, the old guys <laughs> with the kids. Yeah, yeah. and awesome. if you follow him on Twitter, he's like he, he takes a lot of pride. Yeah, he's become the patron there. saint of, of like indie wrestling. He's like, follow me to the path of greatness, and I'm I'm down. I'm, I hope people follow him. Yeah, I follow him then. then uh, a lot of these other guys. So. Josh Alexander versus Lee Moriarty. Moriarty's another guy who that pretty awesome. much everyone yeah, everyone awesome. knows about him that, by this point. I mean, Moriarty is no longer a secret, and uh, they had a good match. Uh, Tom Lawler versus Bastard Cassidy. Uh, interesting match. Again, a, a kind of a different structure to this one. Not just your standard, uh, your turn, uh, my turn, indie match. And uh, Tom Lawler obviously beat him. I think this was either Bastard Cassidy's BLP debut. I think or... I'm most positive it was, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, obviously Lawler's one of the top guys there. And then the, the title match, which I'll talk about a little more at length because it was the main event. And that was Calvin Tankman winning the title from Eric Stevens, and they went about 20 minutes. Now, look, Tankman has a lot of potential, but there was a lot to take in with this. Number one is just, and people, you know, they shouldn't take this as an insult towards Tankman, and I will explain myself. But Eric Stevens is just several levels above Calvin Tankman at this point, and it was obvious in this match. Eric Stevens is a guy, he, he was out there trying to have an epic with Tankman. And the match was good. Don't get me wrong. I'd go about three and a quarter, three and a half on this. Solid match. But Tankman was just a half a step behind all the way. Tankman is not a finished product. Eric Stevens is. Eric Stevens was wrestling Daniel Bryanson fucking 
uh, Brian Danielson. What did I say? Daniel Bryan. Yeah, he's a Daniel uh, Bryan too, right- which is pretty sweet too. Yeah. Yeah, the point here is Eric Stevens was like an ROH guy during the glory days of ROH. Yeah, he was, he was having fucking four and a half star matches with the Roderick Strong back in like 2009. Like, yeah, he's, he's got it. Yeah, He's a guy who we know is, uh, even though he doesn't like us, and, you know, I have to be fair about the analogy, he hates my guts. And I'm not a big fan of him uh, on a personal level. But, you know, he, he's a guy who's an excellent pro wrestler. And he's just well above the level where Tankman is right now. And... You you saw him trying to sort of have this epic world title match with Tankman, and Tankman's a guy who can get there, but he's not a finished product and he's not there yet. But that doesn't mean that the match wasn't good or that it fell apart or that it was you know glaringly obvious that he wasn't at the same level. But there were little things. Tankman just a quarter step behind on some of the spots and and and, and things like that. The other thing is because Eric Stevens had such of a disaster on Twitter in the lead up to this show. He got no reaction. That's putting it lightly. (laughs) I mean, he got no reaction coming out because people were just so annoyed with him because of the way he behaved on Twitter leading up to the show. And I'm not going through that whole situation again. But basically, they were doing this kind of work shoot thing where he didn't book any women on this show, which was just a show full of good wrestling. And the idea was to bait people into asking why he didn't book women on the show. And then he was doing this gimmick of like, well, women aren't good enough. You know, none of the Joshi talent was available. And uh, this is my show and it's good wrestling. And I don't think women are worth. Now, obviously, that's a setup for him to lose to a woman at some point. I mean, anyone can see that. The problem is the BLP fan base is sort of like a. How can I phrase this, Rich? They're more of sort of a. People get mad when I say this, but they're more of a woke kind of fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair to say. I mean, it's that's how the. And and. This is basically how this went down. The people who un- who, the people who got worked into a shoot by Eric Stevens on Twitter were mad at him because they thought he was putting down women. Right, they were the actual fans. Yeah, th- th- this is the, this is a classic example where like nobody enjoyed this. The people that didn't care cared less, and the people that do care about your company cared less. So the people who did understand that it was a work just thought it was dumb. So like you're saying, this was the situation where this story just fell flat on everyone because they were either mad at black label pro for being disparaging towards women or they just thought the storyline was lame so it didn't get over with anyone so before the show even ended up taking place he ends up apologizing on twitter admitting it was all work admitting he didn't even book the show because we know that these shows booked by the wrestlers are never really booked by the wrestlers it's just a gimmick that the promotions do he, so he totally raised the curtain on everything because he had gotten so much heat on Twitter. An utter disaster. Completely <laughs> fell apart. Okay? So he comes out for his title match to no reaction. Not negative, not positive, some light booing. I mean, he just became public enemy number one. He's supposed to be a heel anyway, but you could tell that it was, like, awkward when he came out. So he wrestles Tankman. He loses the title. And then they have Jake something come out and cash in whatever their money in the bank gimmick is in this company. And Tankman has a uh, 10-minute title reign. And Jake something wins the title by cashing in whatever the gimmick was. The point here is the modern indie fan, if you're not like winking back at them and making them part of the work, they don't know how to respond. They don't right. know how to react. They don't know how to – this was clearly you – know, I'm sure – like. I don't know for a fact, and the BLP people hate me, and and Eric Stevens hates me, so there's no point even asking. 
So I don't know for a fact, but I'm willing to bet that the end result of this was probably going to be Kylie, uh, Kylie Ray or something coming out and getting an Eric Stevens face and building towards a match where she beats Eric. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just saying Kylie Ray because she's the top woman in BLP. That would have been the end result. But in modern indie wrestling, you can't do a storyline like this because the fans, number one, are way too touchy when it comes to those subjects. And number two, you cannot try to work people anymore. They don't like it. They want indie wrestling to be this wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge. Yeah. We're, we're all friends. Funny. I follow you on Twitter. We're best friends. You know, I come to support you because we're, we're, we're buddies and I'll see you after the show. And yeah, I'm in on the work and I'm in on it all. Yeah, with we're all you. in yeah. on the work and this is all. And Dan Housen's going to be yeah, goofy. The fans are part of the show type stuff. Yeah. So if you're not winking back at the fans, they turn on it. And that's what happened here. And I'm not saying it was a great storyline. I'm not saying it was necessarily a terrible one either because we all know how it would have ended. But it definitely uh, was like pissing in the wind here for Eric Stevens and BLP because it totally backfired and uh, it didn't work at all. And whatever plans they had uh, obviously had to be abandoned, or at least I'm assuming they had to be abandoned. And the end result here is uh, they got shit on uh, uh, big time leading up to the show, had to put out some apologies. And uh, the end result is Jake Something is your new BLP yeah. champion. Worked so themselves that into was a Eric shoot. Stevens' professional professionals. <laughs> themselves they, into a that's exactly shoot. it. Yep, they worked themselves into a shoot. Absolutely. But all of the controversy aside, it was a uh, very good bell-to-bell wrestling show. I did not watch any of the Game Changer Wrestling uh, this weekend. You couldn't – you'd have to tie me to a chair to get me to watch Tournament or Survival. I just couldn't care less. Um, and then they had another show in Atlantic City. I didn't catch any of that. Did you, Rich? I did not. I did not see GCW Weekend. So, As far as Beyond goes, they had their really shitty intergender lineup. The only match I saw was I saw the um, Chris Dickinson versus Priscilla Kelly match, and it was awful. So um, there's sort of this new trend in indie wrestling where it's – remember in the old days it was – on any indie show you went to, it was – we're going to take the biggest guy in the locker room and we're going to book him with the smallest guy in the locker room. And that was like an old indie trope going back to the 90s. The new indie trope is we're going to take the biggest, meanest looking dude in the locker room and we're going to book him against the cutest, smallest woman in the locker room. And it's a terrible trend. It's lazy. It makes for shitty matches. And this Dickinson-Priscilla Kelly match just didn't work because... Look, you can call me all the names you want. Tell me I'm a misogynist. I don't buy Priscilla Kelly against Chris Dickinson for a second. It's nonsense. It's garbage. And we see BLP doing the same thing. Because on one of their shows coming up, we've got their champion, Jake Something, against Billy Starks. And I don't know about you. I cannot take Billy Starks, a 16-year-old girl, (laughs) 17-year-old girl, whatever she is, uh, seriously, against a fucking hoss like Jake Something. A 255-pound guy in a pure muscle. Yeah, it's nonsense. <sighs> it's, it's it's reductive garbage, is what it is. Um, and it, and that's why these indie shows, there's a limit to you know what they're going to draw, and, and they're appealing to a very tiny fan base, and um, and that just is what it is. But that match was terrible, Dickinson versus Priscilla Kelly, and uh, I'm told the rest of the card stunk too. But um, it was a really bad lineup, so um, you know you kind of figured it was going to be bad. 
But uh, we got one more match to talk, one more show to talk about, right? And it was one that we both. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've won. Can I get my quick little news note out of here? Yeah, go for it. All right, yeah. so actually, I'm going to tune little notes, uh, notes here. So we were talking about the Spirit of Spalding, the St. Louis Anarchy thing. Um, that <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen again. So we were initially going to talk about the B Block that was supposed to happen last week. Uh, here's what they tweeted out this week. They said, we know about the Illinois region for uh, rollbacks. The Illinois is split into different regions, and they were given different, you know, kind of COVID restrictions. And St. Louis Anarchy runs in Region 4, and they were, you know, under the impression that they could run and do these sort of things. Well, they've rolled back some of that because of a, a spike in COVID cases in that area. So St. Louis Anarchy now has to change some of their plans that they had. Uh, it says, we are looking to see if we can move it outside. If we can't, B-Block will happen September 18th as a doubleheader with the already scheduled uh, Block A event. September 4th, A block will happen if allowed. Otherwise, it will move to October 2nd as a doubleheader. So, um, who the hell knows what the hell is going to happen <laughs> with the Spirit of Spalding uh, from St. Louis Anarchy. Uh, scheduling, COVID, all this sort of stuff is going to get in the way. Uh, they are probably going to have to secure an outside place at some point. And that leads me to Warrior Wrestling, who runs in the Chicago area, not far from me. And they, based off the success of their Friday Night Light show, which was at the football stadium that they usually run, the Warrior Wrestling is run through Marion Catholic High School. That means nothing to 95% of people listening. But the principal of the school is the booker <laughs> in, a, in a very weird way. And they can run the show at the at the high school. So they ran their football stadium. And it was people were in their little areas. And everybody, and everybody was outside. Nobody was right next to each other. It was, it was really looked like a super successful way to run a wrestling show in 2020 during this time. So they're doing it again, and they're doing a three-show series, Saturday, September 12th, Saturday, September 19th, and Saturday, September 26th. You can bet your ass I'll be at at least uh, one of those three. Saturday shows are perfect for me. Uh, going outside, seeing a, sh a wrestling show outside, I'm, I'm all in on that, so I'm uh, pretty excited about that. Announced so far, when I see these names, I'll see why I definitely want to make my way uh, there at some point. Announced so far, and I, that doesn't, I don't know if this means they're at all three shows, or two of the three, or, or one of the three. These are just the names announced for one of the shows of this weekend. Uh, you have Luchasaurus, Suicide, Madison Rain, Rhino, Moose, Daga, Joey Janela, TJP. I wonder if you'll be wrestling at Suicide. Uh, Ray Lynn, uh, Jonathan Gresham, Trey Lamar, Ace Austin. So, maybe, uh, yeah. uh, Lee Moriarty, Jake Something, Beastman, Myron Reed, Airwolf, Angel Dorado, Kimberly, Ethan Page, Josh Alexander, Frank the Clown, uh, Robert Ego Anthony, Travis Titan, Blake Christian, Dan the Dad, Facade, Danny Moe, Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, Dom Garini, Kevin Koo, Sam Adonis, Alex Shelley, Tom Lawler, Isaiah Velasquez, Kylie Ray, Alex Zane, Warhorse, Lance Archer, The Rascals, Brian Cage, and Brian Pillman. Who isn't booked on the show? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I might be. I'm, I'm checking my phone to see if we get there. But yeah, literally any available independent wrestler will be at Mary Catholic High School either September 12th, September 19th, or September 26th. So, you, you know what's great is somebody is doing double duty as suicide, whether it's TJP or, or whoever. Or Austin, yeah. Why do you need them to? You've got <laughs> I know, I know. That's my favorite like, part about this, is they ask TJP, hey, bring that suicide gear if you can. He's like, there's 37 people on the show. It's like, just bring the suicide gear. <laughs> yeah, but they're still going to do the Tom Brandy gimmick, you know, where it's like... Patriot and Tom Brandy and Sal Sincere all work the same show, you know, and he gets paid three times. Um, man, that is uh, that is loaded. And I saw their setup for COVID. It really is like legitimately distanced, unlike all these other shows where they pretend the distance. Right. You know yeah. This I mean? is this is it. Like it's this like, is this is the best problem, the actual legit way to probably do uh, a, a socially distanced wrestling show 
in 2020 is the way that Warrior Wrestling did it. So, um, eh, one of the I don't know which weekend, but one of the Saturdays I'll be there for sure. So. These other promotions are like, oh, we're only going to sell 50 tickets, and then they're all on top of each <laughs> they're other, all anyway. right next to each other, <laughs> in a small unventilated building. Yeah, you know, and it's like, and I listen, I'm not, you know me, I'm not Mister Fucking. Everyone, no one should be running. Like, you know, that's not me, but it, I just, I just find it funny yeah. that, like, you know. Uh, We're selling half capacity, yeah, but you have two rows and the rows are filled. <laughs> like, that's not. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, one last show to get to. That was the uh, Rev Pro show, the very controversial yeah, Rev yeah. Pro Epic Encounters one, uh, taped. Well, oh, we don't know when it was taped. <laughs> question mark. And that's question part mark, of the controversy. Mark, yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you, I watched this show and it fucking ruled. This was the best indie show I've seen in a long time. I mean, top to bottom, everything on the show was good and some of it was great. And I know Rich saw, I think, half of the show. Yes. Yep. Or at least, what did you see? The top two? I top saw three, the, let me look here. I saw, oh, just the top two matches, actually, I should say. Just the top two. Top two. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, controversial show. It was funny because uh, literally nobody was talking about this show on Twitter. And the thing is, it's like, it's because it's controversial. I mean, first of all, Rev Pro has lost a lot of fans because some people aren't happy with the way that they've handled their return. So that's factor number one. Uh, factor number two was going up against a very huge soccer game in the UK, head-to-head. Uh, factor number three, even if you were watching the show, you weren't going to tweet about it because it was like social circle suicide if you right, were talking yeah, about yeah, this yeah. show. Because especially if you're from Europe and especially if you're from the UK. Like, right, right, right. It's right. just and, like... And- I'm not going to get into it right now, but I totally get it because it's not my friends that were assaulted. It's not my friends that did the assaulting. Like that's a whole different Neil David did a a very good job on our website as he always does. Cause he's a fucking annoyingly good writer. Uh, did I think a pretty good job of, of from that perspective of somebody that lives in Europe, lives in the UK of why he and many of his friends felt uneasy about that show. But for you and I, it was just like, Hey, grabs. <laughs> and we just watched the wrestling show. So, well, I mean, it, it, that's the funny thing. Like, it was a ghost town on Twitter, but like in group chats and in discords, there were people watching and talking about the show. They just knew they or couldn't like, talk about it without yeah, getting piled. Right. Up. You don't want that Twitter dog pile. So look, unquestionably, they've lost some fans, though. The question is how many? And uh, maybe we'll never find out. But there's definitely some people who uh, were past customers, either live customers or whatever the case, who are never going to spend money on Rev Pro again. For a variety of reasons, uh, they're not happy with the way they've handled the COVID. They're not happy with they, a lot of people think they've just returned too quickly, mm-hmm. and that there's still too many fresh wounds. Yeah, and of course, yeah. The, the, the European scene isn't ready for you know for shows to run again, and they just you know, pop out and right. run and stuff. So, yeah. And there's the Will Ospreay thing, where a lot of people just hate Will Ospreay. Right, right, right. So, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Uh, we did. We already talked about it two weeks ago, I think it was, but um, either last week or two weeks. Um, so we're not going to relitigate that. But, um, you know, and, and the COVID thing, they think there's not enough, uh, you know, uh, what, disclosure or which. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what else they want Rev Pro to do. I mean, they said that they tested everyone. They said they put everyone in a bubble. Everyone at ringside was wearing a mask. There were no fans. They were spraying down the ropes in the ring in between every match. I really don't know what people want. Like, what? What? how much more open can they be about their COVID policy? I think people are being a little ridiculous when it comes to that. Uh, but you know, it's it's look, Rich. We're in sensitive times, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's you know, it, it, I am not put off at all by how they've handled the COVID here. I think there's been plenty of disclosure. I mean, uh, they came out and told everybody what they're doing, and then we saw it on tape. So I don't know. Um, it didn't bother me. Uh, but as far as the show goes, Robbie X defeats Connor Mills. 
this Robbie X, he doesn't look like a star, but he wrestles like a star. So he's a hard guy to kind of analyze because, um, man, he's got all the tools. It's just he's got to work on the look. You know, he doesn't work the way that he looks, if that makes any sense. So that was a really good opener. And then there was uh, their contenders, which is sort of uh, ripping off the Young Lion concept from New Japan, where the guys wrestle in the black tights and they do basic moves. And that was Brendan White defeating Kenneth Halfpenny. And that was a solidly worked match. And then there was a match I loved, which was Dan Maloney beating Callum Newman. And Callum Newman is, a, I think he's still a teenager. Um, he's a protege of Will Ospreay. Basically, picture Will Ospreay in like 2014, but with better selling. And that's Callum Newman. Mm, nice. Rich, this guy's going to be a star. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, he's a teenager and he's already pretty damn good. Uh, I'm stopping short of great. I'd like to see some more. And Maloney was great here. And, uh, you know, Maloney, he's, he's basically, you know, like Willow Spray six years ago, but with far advanced selling. And maybe Willow Spray passed that on to him. Maybe he said, hey, look, it took me years to get it. You're going to sell. I don't know. Um, but this guy's awesome. And he's got great body control. He's a great athlete. And he already seems to get it. And he's very young. And uh, Maloney won the match and then had a stare down with Ospreay. So if we're going to get Maloney Ospreay, I'm all aboard for that. And then we had Aaliyah James uh, defeating Bobby Tyler. Uh, that was a women's match, and then that would play into the main event uh, post-match stuff. And then uh, the tag match, which was uh, Kyle Fletcher and Ricky Knight Jr. defeating Michael Oku and Will Ospreay. This was great. Oh, it rocked, dude. This might, this might be one of my favorite COVID matches. This might be top five of the COVID matches. Fucking incredible work. Oh, easy notebook match. I mean... I'm, I'm easy four and a quarter. I'm easy, easy, easy four and a quarter. I, I hinted at four and a half, too, which is a lot for a COVID match. That's about where I am. I mean, there was one minor flub by Oku, which was easy to overlook, where he stumbled on a, on a uh, it was like a springboard move or something like that. Other than that, Rich, we need to have a conversation about Kyle Fletcher. I mean, this guy was like skin and bones a year and a half ago. And he's a fucking hostile. Oh, dude, uh, you know me. Did this come across? Oh, it did. <laughs> not a body guy, an effort guy, Joe. And he's I, huge. There's some effort going in there. Kyle Fletcher's a giant. At first, I was because they kept saying Kyle Fletcher. I'm like, yeah, but where's Kyle Fletcher? I'm like, oh, that's Kyle Fletcher. The big he ate Kyle Fletcher. I don't know what happened, dude. He's like, yeah, he's like a hundred pounds heavier than he was before, in a good way, in a good way. And it's yeah, and it, it's not like a steroid wrestling body. It's just good, solid wrestling weight. Like he's thick now he's like a thick guy and he was always tall and now that he's added the weight rich he went nose to nose with will Ospreay, who is not a small man okay and has also beefed up in the other way in the muscle way right and he was dwarfing him like he he, he was looking down on will Ospreay and just kyle fletcher's presence is entirely different than it was before and he knows it. And yeah, he's, he's working Hoss, too. He's close. Like, he wins the match. He doesn't do the pinfall, but he essentially makes the, the final blow in the match. When he clotheslines Will Ospreay, Will Ospreay does, like, two flips, lands on the pin, and, and then, you know, uh, Ricky Knight Jr. comes in and hits his move or whatever. But the idea is that Kyle Fletcher really is the one that put him away. What a well-booked match, too. Great, yeah. You had stuff. Fletcher getting over with his new sort of um, just presence that he has. And then Ricky Knight Jr., who, Rich, I've been talking about this guy since that great match he had against Robbie X, I think, back in January. And he's another one. He's a, he's a teenager. He was really good. He was really good here. 
Yes, and we know that there's open spots in the British scene because of all the people who are never going to wrestle again. And you're going to see, who. what did we say when we previewed this? Who's going to step up? Is it going to be your Dan Maloney's, your Ricky Knight Jr.'s, your Callum Newman's? Who, who's, who's it going to be? And we saw a number of people step up on this show, including Ricky Knight Jr. And he scores the fall on Will Ospreay. What a scalp. I mean, and, and this is just, the, the Rocket Pack is coming. He's one of these guys who's going to benefit and get a big push. And then all of the post-match stuff where there's like, now Fletcher and Ricky Knight are kind of yeah, at odds because yeah, yeah. Fletcher's like, you stole the pinfall. And and Will Ospreay, always selfless in terms of taking pin. That guy would never win a match if it was up to him. Yeah, he, he knew he'd be <laughs> yeah I know. When he took the pinfall, I was like, of course. And they probably uh, said, Will, yeah. no, I don't have to pin you, Will. And he goes, oh, no, come on, pin me, man. <laughs> it's like, come on, Jesus. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, they have to argue with him. Like, no, you should win, Will. You're Will Ospreay. No, 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 be me. Okay. <laughs> so Knight, so Knight beats the champ, and then on the mic, he's like, "Yeah, I want to, I want a fucking title shot." And Fletcher's like, "Oh, hold on now, you got to get in line. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm next in line here." So they've got a lot of stuff set up here, where you know Fletcher and Osprey obviously had a lot of tension in this match. Maloney and Osprey had tension after Maloney beat his boy, right? And then uh, you know, and and they've already announced in two weeks, I think. Uh, what is it? Epic Encounters 2. It's in a week or two. Something yeah, yeah. Like that. For, I, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but yeah, somewhere in there. Ricky Knight Jr. versus Oku. Title for title. Oku has the Rev Pro, whatever they call their junior title, Cruiserweight title, whatever it is. And Ricky Knight Jr. has some other independent uh, X Division slash junior style title. So they're going to have a match to unify those two titles, title for title. But they've set up a number of things here all in one match. This was just such a perfectly booked pro wrestling match which set up a bunch of directions. You can hear the excitement in my voice, you know, and 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 it instantly makes you interested in where Rev Pro is going. So, uh, great job. Uh, everyone in this match came across uh, looking great, and we've got a bunch of cool directions coming out of it. And then the main event, Giselle Shaw successfully defended her uh, women's title against Jamie Hayter in what I thought was good. a very, yeah, it was a very good match. Um, you know, Jamie Hayter is solid as fuck. I mean, she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love her style, uh, too. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little more aggressive because she's a little bit bigger, so she works to that, too. It's Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and they set up a tag match. Uh, uh, Aaliyah James came down afterwards. I don't know if you watched the post-match. I did, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so they set up a tag match, presumably for the next show. It isn't announced, but, um, you know, I wanted to show. The only match announced so far, I think, is Ricky Knight Jr. against uh, Michael Oku. But, uh, but yeah, Shaw Hader... Uh, you know, definitely lived up as well. This was uh, a really good show, top to bottom. So, um, I don't know. I'm into the Rev Pro. I'm going to be sticking with it as long as it remains interesting. All right, and that is it. We are now 10 minutes over. <laughs> we kept talking too much. That's all right. Sometimes we can go a little bit over. The podcast gods will let us go over a little bit. So, anyway, that has been Bounce Around the Indies, and that has been the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Again, my bookie. Use promo code VOW to double your first deposit. You put $100 in, use that promo code VOW, you get a free $100, a free dice roll, a free roll, whatever the hell you call it, I forget. doesn't matter. Anyway, that's it for us. So anyway, my bookie, promo code VOW, double your first deposit, voiceofwrestling.com, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. Make sure you're subscribing there. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care.